I wish you guys nothing but best. The ceiling is the roof. Let's make it happen. Let's keep moving forward. I said the ceiling is the roof to you in a casual conversation what would you take that to mean if i was like yeah man ceiling's a roof uh is this assuming that i'm not in the know yeah if you've never well even if you are in the know that you know it's a podcast and maybe further back you know that michael jordan said it once upon a time yeah if i just casually started using that like that's what's up if i was like ceiling's a roof what would you take that to mean uh, you know, I would, I would take that as a compliment. Okay, that's one way. Yeah, I would be like, thank you. But what, what do you think? What would you think I'm saying? Oh. Um. I'm telling you that the you can go like, real are high. You, are you telling me that like, what are you saying this in response to? Are we like agreeing on something, or did I tell you a joke and this is your reaction, or is it like a? No, we're talking about maybe like. How good something can be, or something really worked out, you know, and something like, went well. Yeah, the ceiling's, yeah, so, the roof. ceiling's the roof, dog. Uh, you know, I'll be like, yeah, we made it. Yeah, we made it. Yeah, dog. We look made at us, comma fam. Look that's, at us. That's what I would think. Yeah, future boys. Yeah, the, the ceiling is the roof. The ceiling is the roof. We made it to the ceiling. And you know what you got to do next? Once you've identified that the ceiling is the roof, you, you kick know through you the ceiling. Do? No. Oh. You, you got to raise the roof. Oh, you got to raise it. Raise it. Raise it a little bit more. Keep raising the roof. And the only way you do that is with both hands up. Palms perpendicular to parent parallel parallel to the plane of the earth and then raise it. Yeah, if they were perpendicular to the plane of the earth, yeah, you were doing this, people would be like, "What are you doing?" Just stab it. That's yeah, it's a little weird. Yeah, um, that's how you break a finger. Yeah, but if you get the palms correctly, then you can raise it as long as your arms are. Yeah, but then no longer. Yeah, but then if you get a, if you and all of your friends are doing it at the same time, you can raise it even higher. You can raise more. Yeah, so that's why everybody has to raise. Everybody at once. Yeah. Synchronized. Yeah. So if. But what you, if the roof is on fire? That's even better. That's what you got. You got to raise it so you don't die of smoke uh, inhalation. That's the real killer. So that's like you're saving your life. It's like secondary drowning. No one yes. ever tells you about that. Yeah. So whenever they say like the roof is on fire, uh-huh. that's like a. We don't need any water. It's not, it's not just a signal. Uh huh. You should request. probably start raising it's, it's it. A command like ra- if the roof is on fire, raise the roof right now. It's like a plea. But it's hot. Yeah, it's hot. Fire's hot. But you know what is also hot? The block. The block is always the hot block though. Block is hot, so that's why we got to raise the roof. Block is hot, 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 hot. Yeah. Yeah, that's whenever the block is hot. That means that F. it could come out of nowhere with a helicopter and just start shooting at you. I've seen that music video. Oh. I've seen that in real life. <laughs> I've seen it. Just a helicopter somewhere in New Orleans just gets street level and starts <laughs> shooting at you. And you're running in slow motion. And, oh, almost got me again. Yeah, the block is high is a weird video. There's yeah. no way around it. Yeah. We need to review that one day. Maybe just get some players to review old music videos with this. Okay. Or um, old album covers at least. 
Cash Money, probably pound for pound, the strongest album cover Dude, game. Yeah, absolutely. That or Master P. Absolutely. No, no. He was no, always up there in a tank. It's got to be Cash Money because, like, Lil Wayne was on the rise. Hot Boys. When, like, Web 2.0 took off. Yeah. And, like, Photoshop went from an idea to, like, a, a program. But in its early programming days. That was groundbreaking. Yeah, it was more like word, word mm-hmm. art than actual graphic design. When you could realize you could, like, Oh my God! I could bend this text, or <laughs> it'll be almost a semicircle <laughs> surrounding the scene that's happening, dude. Have you seen? Come check this out. Like we don't actually have to put this rapper and a couple girls in front of a Cadillac no. that is on fire. We could just or a tank. take a picture of them mm-hmm. and then t- take a picture of a vehicle. Layer and, it. Yeah, layer it. You could cut it into new layers. You could right click and do copy to new layer. Yeah. And you could throw some flames on. You could even have some. Uh, now, introducing lighting was big. Yeah. You could have, like, you know, certain different color, like mm-hmm. white light on one side and, like, red light on the other. Whoa. You know? Slow and down. That would, that would just totally change up your shadow game. And then you could put fire anywhere, really. Everywhere. You wanted to, except don't put it on the roof. Yeah. Um, I think one of my favorite moments ever in this industry is whenever I realized that Ron Washington used to work out and listen to Juvenile. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> yes. Like 60-year-old Ron Washington, former Rangers manager, who is one of the funnier characters in all of sports. Yeah. But uh, he did an interview where he was talking about what he does, awesome. his pregame routine. And he said he used to work out and just listen to juvenile instrumentals. Instrumentals? Yeah. Do you think he was like freestyling Yeah, he was He was it? filling in the verses for yeah. sure. There's no doubt in my mind. Well, it's just like Dwayne, Dwayne Price, legendary, uh, legendary Mavs.com beat writer. His cell phone ringtone, guess what? Guess what it is? Ha, huh? or <laughs> back that thing up. <laughs> back that thing up. <laughs> no, it's Redbone. Oh, yeah, I so remember we're that. In, uh, I thought you were trying to trick me. We were in the Staples Center uh-huh. at, in L.A., and uh, during one Lakers possession, Redbone starts playing, and Dwayne just starts oh, Where's my phone? Up, and, like, everybody – I mean, every, there was a lot of Dallas media there. Everyone just kind of turned to look at him. It was – dude, it was so funny. Because, I mean, like, you never think, you know – now, Dwayne is cool, but, you know, mm-hmm. he's probably 30 or 40 years older than Childish Gambino. He's hip. Yeah. That's a good song. Did you know? Okay, you probably don't know this. There's a band called Redbone. Yeah, I definitely did not know that. Okay, and you know the song that they, you know their biggest hit. You've heard it. Was it called Redbone? I think Redbone? it's Come and Get Your Love. How's that go? Come and Get Your Love. Oh, I think I, I think that. either that's Stevie Wonder or Redbone. Redbone, hold on. Let me look it up so okay. I don't sound like an idiot so people don't be tweeting at me. Oh, are we actually recording right oh, now? Oh, yeah. We've been recording for 15 minutes now, <laughs> oh, so don't worry about okay. it. <laughs> okay. Cool. Um, but, yeah, let me educate you real quick. Redbone Band, biggest hit. It is, is that Come you, and Get Your Love. Is that what you searched? Yes. Wow. Redbone Band, biggest hit. <laughs> yeah, it's Come and Get Your Love. Yeah. So you know that band. You know that yeah, song, yeah, too. Yeah, no, I know that song. Yeah. yeah okay. Whenever uh, you start dipping off into... Uh, Strictly listening to '70s music for months at a time, you stumble upon weird things. Yeah, which I I did a couple months ago. No, whenever whenever modern contemporary music has kind of like a lull period. Yeah. Whenever like, um, I don't know, uh, what's the dude Juice World or, um, Takashi Six Nine or any of those bands are like the biggest albums. Whenever he's on hiatus in between albums, you mean? (laughs) No. (laughs) No. Whenever whenever I look at like iTunes and those those the top three albums are like uh, those dudes. Yeah. 
the uh, the mumble rappers I'm not really into. I'm like, well, time to dip back into this Fleetwood Mac catalog and re-listen uh, to the fourth album again. You've been listening to a lot of Funkadelic. Actually, I saw you tweeting about Fleetwood Mac the other mm-hmm. day, I think. Um, you might have, maybe you, last week. Yeah, we haven't yeah, seen each other in like a week. Tweeted, so. You tweeted the album cover or maybe maybe a lyric. Oh, maybe. I probably uh, just put... It had something to do with rumors. Yeah, I probably just put the album cover and just put like still slaps or oh something yeah, like. <laughs> yeah oh do, you're pretending casually pretending like you don't have all of your tweets memorized yeah no i got them all i got a rolodex yeah. um no i think it, the last thing i tweeted about fleetwood mac if you're wondering <laughs> is a hot take about Kristen christine mcvee oh that's yeah. right yeah i was like when you realize christine mcvee is really the backbone of fleetwood mac and i was like eyeballs are like you what know con- considering about? That she's more, way more talented than Stevie Nicks. Oh wow, dude, that's like a really hot. Yeah, take. I'm not ready to. Uh huh. Watch this flame float, flamethrower go off. As someone who's listened to rumors a few times, mm-hmm. I'm still not sure I can identify which one is which. Uh, you know. I don't know. Yeah, you do. Who sings "Oh Daddy"? Is that Stevie Nicks or is that Christine? That's Stevie Nicks. Okay. So uh, which one is- you make love and fun as Christine McVie. I okay. Think. Um, yeah. See, to me, they sound the same. What dreams- about Songbird? Songbird's a good one. Uh, I'm not, not familiar enough with that one. Dreams is obviously Stevie Nicks, and uh, most of it's Stevie Nicks. Okay. It's just Christine McVie will like write entire songs and play on the entire song, but um, and sing. sing it. Yeah, and Stevie Nicks just sings, maybe okay. tambourines. So Stevie Nicks is out here scoring 25 a game, but Christine mm-hmm. McVie is the one that's getting like put in the work, nine rebounds. Yes, you know, like uh-huh. okay, yeah, hard screens. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's the Eric Dampier of yes. the Mac. Yes, she's setting up the plays. She's spacing the floor a little bit. Which naturally makes yeah. Stevie Let's Nicks. allows them to shine. Yeah. Yeah. Jason so. Terry. Yes. Okay. So, so who's the Dirk? Yeah, uh, I mean, Buckingham, Dirk? right? Which one is? Lindsay Buckingham. The, ma- the main dude in Fleetwood Mac that's not Mick Love Fleetwood. You. Yeah. The yeah, the guy, that, the guy that writes awful lyrics but is such a good singer. Are and you saying the lyrics of that song aren't good? Most of the lyrics of Fleetwood Mac songs that are Lindsey Buckingham, the male sung songs are bad. God, dude, this is like, like uh, this is way too hot for me, man. Like secondhand news. The roof is on fire right now. Like there's just some bad. News, that's a good one. It's a great song. It's just some of the lyrics aren't very good. Oh well, I mean, you know. And then yeah, and then go your own ways. A week is weak lyrics in there, dude. Weak lyrically. Come on. It is. It's fun. It's, a, it's good. It's like a pop. Oh, it's almost a pop song. It I is mean, a pop. It's basically ABBA. Like, yeah, and it's you know, borderline and, ABBA. You know, in, in pop, I think it's okay to not have the deepest lyrics. Like, not every song has to be. But it's a weird contrast. Novel, you know what I mean? But it's a weird contrast whenever Stevie Nicks jumps on there and she's like, all right, let me rip you to shreds real quick. Hey, that's the that's what makes bands great. Yeah, that's I agree. I take, like, Freddie Mercury's uh, uh, kind of biopic slash queen biography movie. Mm-hmm. Which I want to uh, see. Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah. yeah. That, that just came out or is coming out soon. Or yeah. Well, With Rami. Yeah. Queen wrote, uh, every band member wrote their own songs. Mm-hmm. And every band member's voice was different. That's how like, it used to be. Yeah. Freddie would write about love or like obscure, like, you know, really like alternating between extremely happy and then like. I just killed a man. I don't mm-hmm. know what to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you had Brian May who would like write about space. Yeah. So they're all, everybody's different. Talking about you know? space. Yeah. His song 39, by the way, Brian May's song 39 on the night of the opera. Uh, one of the best songs of all time. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. When are we going to get this music podcast going? Uh, we like, need to. feel like we're That's <laughs> what this is. Dude. This is the first episode. Dude, Welcome. Dude, we're only eight games into the season. We're already talking <laughs> about bands. What's going to be happening in January? Yeah, we're just having fun. Yeah. Me and Bobby haven't seen each other since... 
Yeah, it's been a minute. We saw each other for like a it, yeah. few quarters. At Sat next to each other at a game, and then uh, he had to go back out on the road with his touring band yep. um, and shred. Me and Dennis and Luca. Shred the axe. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so this is this ceiling is Dennis the roof. Dennis laces the track. I lock the flow. <laughs> if you haven't realized that yet, uh, this is the ceiling is the roof. I'm Mike. He is Bobby. We don't need a guest this week. We're fine. We can do this Clearly. on our own. Clearly, yeah, <laughs> it's a, a guest doesn't keep us locked in and on subject at all. We just uh, we do this on our own. Um, yeah, so one tenth of the way through the season, uh, two and six at this point, or less than a tenth of the way through the season, if you want to get real particular about it. But you know, round up uh, eight games in, two and six at this moment. Um, not exactly the start I would have wished. Would have been real fun to be three and five right now. But uh, it's a good point to kind of touch base again and get all our our ducks in a row. All our hot takes uh, assembled in the right uh, right categories after about eight games, because this team's a little bit different than I kind of thought it was, um, and they've taken on honestly for um, teams that are only eight games into the season. I feel like they've had about three or four identities already, yep. uh, which is fascinating to watch on a nightly basis if you follow the team second by second, uh, as we do because we work for them um, and we are part of the family. But, uh, yeah, I just wanted to kind of reset. Has any of your ideas changed? Any of your predictions you want to take back? Um, just how you feeling about them Mavs right now? Well, you look at the record, you see two and six. Mm-hmm. Those are numbers. So you're like, man, this has, been, this has been bad. That's what you think, right? And I don't feel bad. Well, yeah, that's the thing. You, like, you watch the game. I don't so, feel dead. Yeah, yeah, no, you look alive, man. You look alive. So, <laughs> I don't wear my cowboy hat to welcome you back to Texas. On top of the yeah. the headphones. That's how pros do it. Yeah, is this a good yeah. look? Or? It's, you look no. like Lonnie Walker on draft night. Like the cowboy hat is like, <laughs> yeah. not, it's kind of hovering over yeah. your head right now. Uh, so after, I forget when it was. Who'd they play after Atlanta? Christmas. Uh, after Atlanta was, was it not Chicago? Chicago was before Atlanta. Chicago was before Atlanta. It, it was Atlanta and then it was uh, Don't make Toronto. me look up a Toronto. schedule. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it was Toronto. Raptors. So after Toronto, they were two and three. And in my opinion, to that point, mm-hmm. they basically played like five or six bad quarters of basketball mm-hmm. all season. And they were two and three. And then they go to uh, they play against Utah. They Utah had a here, really bad first quarter in that game, mm-hmm. and otherwise they were good. And then and they, they competed. Played. That's kind of all I wanted from honestly the Raptors game and the Utah game. I wanted it to be okay. At some point, you're gonna have to take us seriously. Yeah, and, and it was did. third and, quarters. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, in 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 Toronto, they're shooting for the lead for like mm-hmm. three straight possessions, and they got off to a. 18 to 2 deficit in that game and against yeah. Utah it was like 13 to 4. And the thing is I Utah I think it was 13 to 4 and they ended up losing by 9. Mm-hmm. And Toronto you are you spot them 16 points and you lose by 7 I think it was. So it's like well you know outside of those starts they're playing these teams to a draw or beating them but you have one or two you have one bad quarter, you have six bad minutes mm-hmm. and in in this league now where everybody's shooting a billion threes and a Mavericks opponents are Basically, it's they're playing against twelve Steph Curry's every night. <laughs> if you have six bad minutes of defense, then you're gonna maybe get blown out. Like it's it's incredible how 
you get off to a slow start and it just buries you. They need to play a quarter in the practice gym before they go out and play the real game. Yeah, just, just get the bad defense off. out of the way, get yeah. loose. Or like while while the other team is in layup lines and yeah. they're like running five. Yeah, they're running five on five. <laughs> yeah. We we did that in baseball one time where we just played an inning uh before really yeah we would be on a, the field next to it and just like play an inning because we just don't we just could not hit yeah the first inning like wow, we, we would just go crazy. we would just go strike out ground out ground out so we would literally like approach it as if it's live for an inning and then go out there and play i mean that's but, you're on to something and and i will say uh this is kind of not having anything to do with basketball but last mm. season or maybe the year before that it might have been two years ago the Mavs uh, had shoot around like right before the game. Yeah, like they wouldn't have shoot around in the morning. They just get to the arena at like four. I'm way more in favor of that. Then. Yeah, and that's like some teams are doing that now because of sleep cycles and there's like all sorts of science that goes yeah. with the science of traveling and sleep. they've studied it. But as, as someone who spent a lot of time on the road the last month, like I don't know what day it is right now. Yeah, so having some time to sleep would be nice. But uh, the the flip side is uh, you kind of shake up players' routines by one allowing them to sleep later. Two, you're having them come to the arena earlier than normal, and you're actually running live basketball like in two hours before tip-off, so you might be a little more tired. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a, I don't know, it's like a trade-off. But anyway, it's they've played long stretches of very good basketball, especially in the last week, against really good teams. Like Utah, Toronto could, in, I don't want to say finals, but like Utah is one of probably the two or three best teams in the West. For sure. Toronto is probably the best team in the East, if not mm-hmm. one of the two or three best. So you play those guys really well. Uh, you go to San Antonio, which is still a fortress. You play them really well. You arguably I mean, should win that game. Push them to overtime. Yeah, the Lakers are kind of up and down. But, uh, again, aside from a horrible start, mm-hmm. you should have arguably won that game too. So, like – they are two and six right now, and I know you can't take away bad. Th- it's just like if you talk about a player's resume. Well, what about if if Derrick Rose didn't win MVP, then he wouldn't even be in the Hall of Fame. But like he still won MVP. Like, yeah, he was really good one time. Yeah, like you are what your record says yeah, you are. If you have six bad minutes, you can't take away those six bad minutes. No. But for the other forty-two, they've been just as good as the teams they're playing against. So they could be two and six. They could be five and three. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if they were five and three and had done this. Every game had gone the same exact way, only they won the, They won Atlanta, they won San Antonio, they won L.A. We'd be like, wow, this team is really good, even though they still have all these problems. But because those 50-50 games go against you, um, in some cases for self-inflicted reasons, uh, then we think, wow, this is, a, this is a disaster. So I'm just kind of like, it's still early. They lost some games they should have won. Um, they have a very long way to go, and that is true whether or not they – one two or one five. Yeah, and I don't want this to turn into a session of excuse making that's uh, colored in some pretty uh, elaborate language. But uh, oh, there goes my hat. Oh, um, that's hold symbolic. on. Hats back on. Oh, okay. Well. But I mean, other teams are shooting forty-seven percent against them from three. I think that's the number. Forty-seven point nine. So, so forty-eight basically. Yeah. And then your first five minutes are just a chemical spill. <laughs> at the beginning of a game that I cannot figure out why. And I don't know if it's just that lineup that they're rolling out there. Um, I don't know if it's the incongruent nature of what the starting lineup has been. Five games it was this, three games it's Barnes back in. One of those games Dennis didn't play. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, no, I don't think anyone's dealt with the same level of flux that we have besides maybe like Minnesota, not knowing yeah, if Jimmy Butler's yeah. playing every night. Yeah, and there have been other teams dealing with injuries, but I mean – 
Mavs are trying to incorporate a rookie, an all-NBA center, and a player coming back from injury, like, all yes. at the same time. Two so. new pieces. Your stable constants of Harrison Barnes and Dennis Smith Jr. have been in and out. And it's just, I mean, Wes has been the only person that's done the Wes role. And that's he's done his role. had good first quarters the last few games. Now yeah. that, you know, you can complain about the end of games, but offensively, he was like the only guy that got up to a good start against LA yeah. until Barnes picked it up a little bit. Dude, he was nuts that first yeah. half of the Lakers game. That was yeah. one of the best games I've ever seen and him in play. San Antonio, I think he had a 9 or 10 point first quarter too. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if you're, if you're getting off the slow start, excuse me, slow starts and only one player is making shots, well, that one player is really not the problem. Yeah. So it's kind of, it's a whole thing. And everything starts with defense mm-hmm. too. So these slow starts on offense are not only due to incorporating new offensive pieces, but it's having a 20-year-old point guard, a 19-year-old rookie, and a center who's never played with either of these guys, all basically new to the system. Uh, you know, they can't get stops right away. And yep. if, you, if you don't get stops, it's harder to score. Yeah, and, you know, the most common questions we get are, so the three hot topics right now that people just don't shut up about, um, which is good. I'm glad people are interested. But yep. also, this team isn't supposed to win 60 games this year. Yep. Like, there's going to be issues. There's going to be uh, teachable moments. Yeah, we were optimistically saying, like, yeah. we might finish 500. Yeah, 40, 40, 41. That'd be great. That'd be an excellent season for what yeah. – because, honestly, okay, young players are fun to watch. The hope of a young player, of a guy that's 19, 20, even, I mean, 23 is still young. Like, um, Dude, so Barnes give is, these – Barnes just turned 26. Yes. That's still young. That's young I mean, in the league. third year here. I mean, yes. he, was, he was playing – fifth banana for a while young players are super fun the the hope of what they could be if they fulfill all their potential is great to start extrapolating and expecting um at some point down the road but they just don't contribute that much to winning basketball on on the whole there are gonna be flashes there be moments there's gonna be luca drives left-handed against la and ties the game on just a shot that it looks so simple and so weird that I was like, oh, how did y'all let him have that? Dude, if L.A. ends up losing that game because of that shot, yes. they're like turning off their console. Yeah. You know, they're, they're not letting – yeah. That, but, was, uh, that was a ridiculous shot. It, the, people want to you know, pick apart the Dennis and Luca fit right together. Like that's one of the biggest topics. And um, I'd say, okay, well, why don't you give me like half a season first? Or five like, years. Yeah, who's, who's, who's rushing right now? Like who's – like, what expectations are we trying to live up to at this moment? Like, we're trying to build towards a playoff contender, then one more step to a Western Conference contender, uh, and then let's talk about, you know, what this thing is in five years from now. But the thing about young players is uh, they don't know what they don't know, and they don't contribute to winning right off the bat, first year, second year. Um, that said, Dennis has had some weird moments. Um, and I think this is, he's a mature guy, a very intelligent dude, plays his heart out, but this is a harder adjustment for him than it is for anybody. So if he's going to have an off night, like he did against the Lakers, um, and like he did, what, four games ago, whenever Rick had to show him when you bring the ball up this far, uh, within, and we get it across half court with 18 seconds left. Look at these numbers. Yeah. Look what happens. And to his credit, the two games immediately after that, Utah. It was awesome. He was, that was two of his best games. Two his, yeah, exactly. So I don't know if it needs to be, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> you need a new memo every day, and then the old memo kind of gets thrown in the trash. 
I don't know if Rick needs to be in his ear all the time going, man, play downhill, play fast, get it across the half-court line. With 18 seconds left, this is what happens. This is exactly what happens. Um, because it seems that simple for him. And I know it. there are possessions that look weird, that look wonky, uh, and people auto- automatically want to look over at like Luca and be like, well, this isn't working perfectly. And it's like, it's not supposed to. Okay, you got two ball handlers. You got a guy that was the primary ball handler last year playing with a dude that's also a primary. I mean, it's a, one, it's a 1A, 1B situation now. It's not Dennis and four other dudes that don't want to handle the rock. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess I'm saying all that to getting, just getting on my soapbox a bit to go, just talk to me in like halfway through the season, and we'll see how they fit together. Talk to me at the end of the year. I'll give you my assessment on how Dennis and Luca are meshing, what their chemistry is. I know they both want to make it work. I know they both like each other. They both they pass to each other more than any two players in the team. Yep. If that's something you're looking towards. They play Fortnite together. Yes. Every day. There's not an there's not an issue there. It's yeah. just figuring out how to play with a new person. Mm. Um and for Dennis, I think his natural uh inclination is to run through the wall. Like whenever the wall gets thrown up against him and DeAndre kind of gets in this uh, rhythm where Luca's running pick and roll with him and he knows he can kind of slow play it and Luca's going to prod and you know use his footwork and kind of and then Dennis will run pick and roll with DeAndre and Dennis is at the basket and DeAndre's still back there and it's like okay the ball's dead there's a rhythm to it yeah I mean that's all pick and roll is like I love super athletic pick and rolls like what Philadelphia can pull off with that size and speed for both those dudes that's fun that's fun to watch but you can watch J.J. Barea and, you know, fill in your blank, bench big, run, pick, and roll for 10 years. And it's not about speed. It's about footwork. It's about leverage. It's just those little subtle things. And that's the one thing I would say I'd like Dennis to improve on the most going forward. Mm-hmm. Well, I think uh, – so last year we had Dwight Powell on with Skin and me. And at the time he was just kind of – he had like – this was in November. It was right around Thanksgiving, and I know that because uh, I had just stuffed my face with brisket for <laughs> Thanksgiving lunch, which is coming up, too. That's a Looking great day forward here. to it. Yeah. And uh, he had just, in the last, like, five games, started playing well. Mm-hmm. There was a period at the beginning of last season when he wasn't really doing anything, and then he actually got benched for two or three games, came back, and all of a sudden he just exploded. And this was right at the beginning of that. And we said, what is going on? And he said he finally developed some timing with J.J. and with Devin. So he knows, like, whenever J.J. comes off screen, this is what he's going to do. This is exactly when I need to roll. Like, mm-hmm. And he had been playing with J.J. for three years. So that kind of takes some time. Yeah. Know? And even within the course of that season, they'd been playing for a month and a half or two months. So it, it was, you know, we're still a couple weeks ahead of schedule here. Uh, and Dennis and DeAndre are running a ton of pick and roll. But uh, I think it's like – so against L.A., whenever you watch a game on TV – or from the press box like we do at the game. You don't really get to see the players' eyes. Mm-hmm. And uh, that will tell you a lot, too. Just being being really close to where you're, you're not distracted by announcer audio. Not that it's a distraction, but you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, to where you're really just watching the game. Like, if you if you watch Dennis come off DeAndre's screen in that Lakers game, JaVale McGee was basically playing borderline illegal defense every possession. Oh, yeah. He was in the he middle of the paint. Parked, he was parked under the rim. Mm-hmm. And so – Whenever DeAndre is setting a screen for Dennis at the elbow, you know, a typical center is going to step out, and Dennis mm-hmm. can just beat him in one step and get a dunk. If he sets a screen at the three-point line, JaVale was coming up to, like, the semicircle below the free-throw line. 
to where, again, Dennis can't get by him. Yeah. And so teams are just going to start just, like, sagging way off. And when they do that, if you come off the screen hard, then you either have to attack the center head-on, mm-hmm. which Dennis did a couple times and got blocked once. Um, I th- he got, like, bodied one time, but it was verticality. And then I think they're – Early in the game, there definitely was a goaltend that was not called that led to a Lakers dunk in the yeah. first timeout. Uh, so there were a few times where Dennis was like, yeah, screw this. I'm, actually, I'm just going to go. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't think he was able to score any time. Now, against some teams he is, but McGee was just – I mean, he was so far near the rim. It was impossible. The to two games before that, he was really good around the rim. He was, yeah. Like, he'd, he'd struggled up to that point. Um, and then he hurt his ankle and missed a, you know, missed a couple games mm-hmm. or missed the end of a game and then the whole next game. But the two games before the Lakers game, so I guess uh, – Spurs and Utah. Utah. Dude, he was excellent around yeah, the rim. Gobert was coming out a little more yeah. to where Dennis could beat. I mean, we mm-hmm. saw Seth Curry beat Gobert off the dribble. And yeah. Seth is not very quick at all. I mean, compared to Dennis, he's yeah. very quick. Um, so if centers are going to sag way off like that, then you just have to go a little slower. Yeah. But if you go too slow, then you right. lose all your momentum. So yes, you might as well have not ran the play if you exactly. go too slow. That's yeah. where you got to dribble it back out, and all of a sudden yeah. you have 10 seconds left. Mm-hmm. So that's where you have to hope that the point guard goes over, you can get him on your hip, and you could sort of stall for time while DeAndre's getting mm-hmm. to the rim. Or you you got to look off people or just something. Yeah. But it seems like if he came off too quick, he would look for someone and he wasn't there. So then he'd be like, oh, well, I have a half a second to decide, so I'm going to go to jail. Yeah. If he would go off too slow, he's looking behind him to see where DeAndre is. Well, DeAndre's camped out at the elbow because mm-hmm. he wants to be that this sort of safety yeah. valve thing. Um, and then there was no real off-ball movement with those guys. Mm-hmm. There was one time uh, where Wes cut baseline whenever he was out there with J.J. and Dwight. Dwight set a screen for J.J. I think Wes thought the big man was going to, you know, Dwight was might have popped because the big man was staying low or something. So Wes cut baseline as Powell was rolling. Both of them were open, but they ran into each other. <laughs> you know, so, like, it's just like they're just feeling each other out right now. Yeah. You know, and I think in, in another month or so, it's just gonna it's gonna look way smoother because of little things like that. DeAndre's gonna know, hey Dennis, if you're if Dennis takes like a hard dribble coming off a screen and stops, then he wants me to start rolling. Mm-hmm. If he goes to the rim hard, maybe I need to follow him after one dribble so that way if he gets blocked I can get the rebound or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like there's just little timing things that you have to work out and whether they had two weeks in preseason or two days, you're not gonna figure it out in training camp until you actually play games and watch tape and all that stuff. And, again, it's a lot easier to score whenever you get a stop. And if you don't get stops, then it's just mm-hmm. it's impossible. And there's only so many things, honestly, that you can focus on, even in training camp, even in practice. And I feel like one of the main things, and granted, the most important thing that they worked on and that I feel like is kind of integrated at this point is everyone knows how to play with Luca. That was probably the main thing of training camp is yep. we need to figure out how everybody plays with Luca, And, you know, that some things slide off the table. Some things only get a couple reps of practice. And Dennis, DeAndre, pick and roll. You assume those guys can do that in their sleep. Um, not to perfection, but uh, you assume that's, uh, you know, a 5 or a 6 on your scale of 1 to 10 right now, whereas our team chemistry with a new player is a question mark. Mm. Um, but one of the things I think that would help Dennis, a couple things that I think would help with Dennis um, the most in his pick-and-roll actions and his running downhill at the basket is I see this happen with other teams so often, and I never, ever see it happen with the Mavs. Well, maybe once in a while, but I don't feel like it's ever in a pick-and-roll, is whenever you're a point guard and you've hard-dribbled off the pick, you're downhill at the basket, um, 
the center's trailing you, the two defenders are, you know, either pinching you or kind of trailing towards the basket. There's such thing as a good miss off a of pick and roll. Yeah. If you put the ball in a position where only your center who's rolling hard at the basket can get it. Yep. It's almost an alley-oop. It's a throw it off the window. These guys can't stop in time, and your center comes over the top. Yeah, you see guys do that all the time. They'll yes. look and see there's a point guard under the basket. I'm shooting mm-hmm. this no matter what. Like it's, it's, yes. like a, it's a selfless shot, basically. Yep. Yeah, yeah. you sacrifice one of your shots, one of your, uh, you know, a, a field goal percentage, basically, if you want to look at it that way, to get the ball to your center in the restricted area. And Dennis... I feel like he's trying to put so much spin on the ball and just the perfect angle where it either barely misses out or um, it's just such a tough shot to make. And he's not – he's just trying to make it at a weird angle off of, you know, maybe a quick jump instead of a, um, you know, a two-foot launch. And it's just the rebounds are going weird and they're just softly missing instead of, you know what, you can just almost scoop the thing at the basket. If it goes in, it goes in. If not, it off the back. yes. If it goes in, it goes in. If it doesn't, it's coming out the other way, off the t- off the front of the rim. Another thing that'll help him, and this is getting older and you know just maturity, is we never criticize or even like look sideways at his his athleticism because of what he is, um, because he can you know jump over a building and uh, he's pretty strong. He can jump over a Kia. Yeah, he could definitely jump over a Kia, um, but. I feel like whenever his body kind of fills out and he's a little bit stronger, he's going to be more comfortable getting people on his hip and doing what Luca does whenever he gets in the paint, which is like, I'm just going to hang out here for a minute. You're not going to knock me out or root me out of the spot I want to be at. Like, I'm big. What are you going to do about it? Like, I'm here. I'm, I got my head on a swivel. I can see everything that's going on, and I'm in the paint, and you can't do anything about it. Yep. And when Dennis gets a little bit thicker, a little bit stronger, and he's a two-foot jumper. He's a, he's a load-up jumper. He's not a quick jumper yet. I think that's something else he could develop where, like, you're kind of in stride and you launch off one foot. You know what I mean? Yep. In, in between step jump that so many guys are good at now. Like, James Harden is the best where you don't even realize. Kyrie does it too. Kyrie is a very good. Because Kyrie is probably smaller than Dennis. Yes. I mean, and he's not the bulkiest guy either, but he's so yep. good around the rim because you don't know when he's going to jump. Right. He takes odd steps, and it's, it's, all, it's all footwork stuff. It's all balance. And for dudes like the, the elite of the elite, that are ball handlers that come downhill, it's it's just strength. It's just size, strength. And when Dennis gets a little bit stronger, when his upper body fills out a little bit more, I feel like he's going to be more comfortable doing that. And he he's not there yet, but he is bigger than he was last year. Yeah. And last, watching video from him last year, like, he was like a little shrimp, especially yeah. at the beginning of the season. And this year he's, just a, he's a little thicker. Yeah. Um, so I'm glad you brought up kind of the uh, – the two-foot jumping thing. Mm-hmm. You know who else is a two-foot jumper? Russell Westbrook. A lot yeah. of the time, he jumps out two feet. And I was going to bring this up when we were talking about scoring against JaVale, but uh, there's a... JaVale pissed me off so bad in that yeah, game, man. Yeah, that was that was upsetting. He fouled every time down the court. He, he was, was three seconds. twice. Yeah, three seconds in the lane almost every time. Yeah. It was just, I was, he's not better than DeAndre. Yeah, but and if they're going to call it. Yes. Then, or if they're not going to call it. You yeah. Know what I mean? Um, so there's a, a highlight on Twitter right now of uh, Russell Westbrook pulling off the Sham God move last night against mm-hmm. – I forget who they were playing. I don't know. It, it doesn't matter. Charlotte, uh, yeah. Charlotte. Got like their second win. Didn't they? Yeah. And uh, so Westbrook comes off a high screen. The center is staying way underneath just like Dennis because Westbrook is way more dangerous at the rim than he is from 20 feet. And uh, Westbrook decides to engage him. Mm-hmm. And so the center, you know, about seven feet from the basket, the center is waiting there for him. So Westbrook – 
is coming to his left and then does kind of the sham god crossover with his right hand, which is almost palming, uh, but it's the NBA. Did he put it back down? So, okay, sham so god. he's dribbling it with his yeah. left. Yeah. And then he comes across to get it to his right, but he comes across with his right hand. Oh, okay. So you're... You're dribbling it with your right hand from your le- the left side of your body. Taking to it, right. yeah. Yeah, I, I understand, like, the movement. I've always, like, where it starts is weird to me. Because I've seen people start with the crossover, like, okay, right to left crossover. Mm. And then before it gets to your left hand, you catch it with your right and step back. Yeah, but this was a, he's dribbling. Is it like in and out le- kind of dribble? Yeah, kind of in okay. and out, in and out, yeah. Uh, but it was quick, you know. And, uh-huh. But anyway, he did that. To create a little separation, so we got whoever their center is. I don't even know. Cody Zeller, I think. Yeah. Got him a little turned around, and then Westbrook jumped with two feet, but he jumped, instead of jumping to the basket, mm-hmm. he just jumped straight up in the air like a pogo <laughs> stick. Yeah. And then kind of like rotated his upper body a little bit and just laid it in. It was, yeah. It was like a finger roll, but yeah. instead of trying to engage the center, mm-hmm. instead of trying to jump through him, jump over him, he just jumped up. Yeah. And that is a – now that you're starting to see more and more centers just jump straight up with, against Dennis because they yeah. don't want to foul him. They don't need to reach or anything. Well, he doesn't get any calls either. Yeah, he, you're not going to be able to jump through guys yeah. that are going vertical. But if you just jump up mm-hmm. and just kind of drop it in. Yeah, create an angle for yourself. I mean, that's why yeah. Luca jump passes a lot of the time, even though, like, any coach would be like, don't jump and pass. He has gotten a couple of costly turnovers off those two. Yeah, he has a couple. But, I mean, every time he gets to DeAndre – like it's he jump, yeah. he creates an angle, a passing angle that almost no other two players can create. Yeah, because DeAndre's seven foot and creates the space with his shoulders that he creates, and then Luca's six eight, and if he jumps, he's literally throwing it down to DeAndre at like from seven and a half feet in the air. Yeah, um, I mean more than that, but his head's at like seven and a half feet at that point. So it's just an angle that people don't think about using. Much like I mean that's what you what you were explaining with Westbrook um, just jumping to create an easy shot for yourself is it's, it's like a Brandon Wright move, you yeah. know, yeah. where he would never like try and jump through people, but he would get it, you know, a little bit of movement diving down to the block. He'd get an entry pass and he would just jump straight up in the air and I can see the basket now and throw yeah, in the basket. Literally just drop. Yeah. And Dennis can drop it in. Cause yeah. He sees the rim. when mm-hmm. he jumps. I mean, he can, he can like kiss the rim. Yeah. He, he's a freakish athlete. So, if he gets a full jump, which is tougher to do in the course of a game, but if if he can just jump really high, yeah, then he's gonna he can just kind of drop it down mm-hmm. against the center. Or and people have gotten so good at like pinning the ball too now. Yeah, you just can't you can't hold the ball out, uh, especially because he's got smaller hands. So yeah. if he tries a finger roll, then he's really like he's really cradling the ball, and it just takes him longer to get rid of it. So guys are long; mm-hmm. they have good shot blocking instincts, whatever. But if you jump straight up, the only way they can contest a shot is by reaching out, and mm-hmm. that's how you get fouled. Yeah. And he's, he's, he's a little dude that's honestly never had to play like a little dude. Yeah. Because, I mean, his, I'm sure his entire life he's been like, you know what, I'm going to jump straight through you, and that's how this is going to end. It's going to end with me yeah. getting a call. The center is not stopping you <laughs> yeah, in the room. Exactly. And it's, you watch some guys. I mean, like Seth Curry was a great example of it, right? Little dude that's probably always been a littler dude in every league he's played for. Not super athletic, but he's got the he's got the little left right fake. He's got the little I know I'm gonna shoot like Berea, right? Yeah. Berea gets some finger rolls to the basket, and I'm like, that's insane because he quick steps you. He gets to you know one stride, two stride, three four, and then like the little I'm gonna let the ball out four feet in front of my face as far as I can, let it go. Dennis needs to either play with like I don't know. I feel like they need to like uh, simulate about 20 sets of uh, uh, practice where everyone around him 
has like a blocking pad in front of their face and they're nine feet tall. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. You're playing like a 14 yeah. foot basket. <laughs> yes. And everyone has this pad and they can like swing at him and stuff like that and make him get crafty with it. Yeah. Cause he's honestly, he's just never had to do that. Yeah. Um, and so JJ wasn't really that way when he came in the league. True. I mean, he was good at it, but he mm. wasn't what he is now. Right. You know, it takes a, it, dude, it takes point guards so long. I know we've talked about this before, but, like, your average first-time All-Star is 25 years old. Yeah. I mean, you're not – it's going to take him a really long time. It's not. It might not take Luka as long because Luka is probably a better prospect than Dennis was. Yeah, he was for sure. He's definitely a better prospect. Uh, Luka goes, goes first overall in last year's draft. Yeah. Luka goes yeah. first overall Most in this year's draft. Every draft, if they can <laughs> yeah. redo it. I mean, yeah. like, on it, he has the chance to be that kind of player. Yeah. Where it's like he is the number one player of the last five drafts. Like, yeah. he could be. I don't know. I mean, yeah. that could be wrong. Jason Tatum is really good, whatever. But anyway, yeah. So, they're two prospects at different stages of their development. For Dennis, it's just little things, man. For Luka, it's like... It's also little things. It's different little things. For Luca, it's like, all right, let's get you, let's get you in shape. Mm-hmm. You know, stop uh, turning the ball over. Yeah, yeah. Don't turn the ball over. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can be fancy. Fancy's fun. Yeah. But you know, for for Dennis, it's more like fundamental things. Finishing yeah. at the basket. Yeah. Um, filling out a little bit, but just changing speeds. Like all mm-hmm. of these things that are really sort of like abstract concepts. Um, takes guys a long time to learn. Yeah, and a lot of people have either on talk radio or on Twitter, which is almost the same thing at this point. Uh, people get concerned about like the faces that, and how upset Dennis seems sometimes. And I'm like, he never gets a call. I can tell you what's going on whenever I see Dennis look really pissed off. Yeah. It's, he's threw his body in there, got a lot of contact, probably got fouled on this play. Didn't get a call. And he is upset at a referee. And probably rightfully so. Mm. And people assume, you know, that puts him in a bad mood. And, you know, whenever he gets cranked up a little bit, he does play pretty well. But uh, people assume he's, like, not having fun out there, isn't, you know, uh, is struggling through this growing, this maturation process. And that's never it. Like, Dennis is not that kind of guy. Like, y'all need to stop, okay? (laughs) Just stop trying to paint Dennis as as this – angry dude that uh you know sees luca getting more you know shots than him is upset about it that's not who dennis smith jr is no, not at all it's not at all. he's ups- usually upset at a referee yeah well like, or just upset with himself too yeah i mean he's very self-critical yeah like there was the game in uh in san antonio they were talking we were interviewing him after the game just saying hey you know what happened out there whatever blah mm-hmm. blah 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 um and this was like one of his best games of the season yeah a game that they made a pretty nice comeback in just to give themselves a chance he to go the to overtime. hit the tying step there, yeah, go ahead, three. Crazy shot and, yeah. you know, drew a foul and almost got an and one off the foul and then almost made the free throw to win. I mean, mm. it missed by like a millimeter. Yeah, it went in and but, out. Um, I mean, after the game, he played great and the team, you know, made a couple of mistakes in overtime and he's putting the blame on himself. Yeah. Saying like, I got to make that shot. I got to do better for my teammates. It's like, dude, like it's okay to say that yeah. the whole team has to play better. You yeah. know, you don't have to make it about you. Like, He's just very self-critical. And, mm-hmm. you know, uh, a lot of young players are like that. Yeah. I'd rather him be, like, upset with himself because he knows he can do better than be like some guys who, let's – it's a more specific example, Dirk, mm-hmm. who as a rookie looked like he was seeing ghosts all the time. Yeah. I mean, he was 
guys are like afraid sometimes of messing up. They mm-hmm. they get in their own heads. Like Dennis is not afraid. We know that. He'll talk S to Kyrie. Like, oh yeah. He's not afraid to mix it up. He gets angry whenever things don't go the way he wants them to, but it's because he expects to do better. Yeah, exactly. That's that's his kind of that's his personality. Um, one thing, so I watch him every night. I'm like, okay, what has he got be- gotten better at? And we can get off Dennis in a minute. I just obviously a lot of people are asking about him because he's had such. I got one more. Can I have one more stat on that? Sure. So you're talking about him not getting a call. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has 12.4 drives per game, which I don't want to count, but is like probably 25th or 30th in the league. Yep. On those 12.4 drives per game, he gets 0.6 free throw attempts per game off of those drives. That's, like, criminally bad. Half a free throw. That's disgu- – I mean, half free throw. And how many free throws do you get when you get fouled? Two. Yeah. So that means he's drawing a free throw every, every other game. Yeah. Every other game. Which That's is insane. disgusting. And, I mean, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't get fouled every time. He's maybe only getting um, – one call every two games that mm-hmm. you shouldn't get, or so, you're like, yeah. you know what I mean. But no other player. I mean, it's not even close. No other player that drives to shoot. Mm-hmm. There are some guys, Chris Paul, uh, Eric Gordon, Rubio. A lot of the time, uh, Joe Ingles. There are guys that drive to the basket that are not looking to shoot. Dennis drives mm-hmm. looking to shoot. He takes five shots on drives per game. Uh, the only other player in the league that actually drives the ball to shoot that is not averaging at least one free throw per game. Uh, that's toward the top and drives is Trey Young, and he's mm-hmm. a rookie. Like yeah. young players don't get calls, yeah. and Dennis engages guys. Trey Young does not. I, you know, I think he'll end up getting calls, and once he does, his percentage will go way up. Everybody be happy. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, he's played pretty well. The majority of his games, he's played well, and two of them were excellent. One of them was yeah. my favorite game I've ever seen him play. That Utah game was where he just unreal. played downhill the entire time. Like he was, he didn't overthink it. He just went Dennis like he just I'm gonna use my athleticism you know what me and DeAndre versus you know it, it, it can be Gobert and Joe Ingles or Gobert and Exum or give me your best defender two on two with an unbalanced floor me and DeAndre one side I'm getting this bucket yeah like there's not much else you can do and that's all about getting the ball up there early it's all about pace it's all about rev it up a little bit Rev it up. stops too, man. Yeah. You don't have to bring it up and survey the floor. Like, it doesn't have to be like that. It doesn't have to be, you know, a super cerebral Jason Kidd type. Okay, or you're here, you're here, you're here. What's playing like Battleship It'll in your head? It'll need to be whenever he's 32. Right. But for right now, I mean, you know. It doesn't have to be more complicated than run it up, find the light side of the floor, use a pick, go at the rim. Yep. Like, it doesn't have to be more complicated than that. Yep. And I know he wants to be a complete player, and I know he wants to, like, build towards, you know, being an all-star point guard. But right now, that'll that'll win games. Like, that'll keep them in games, like the Utah game. Um, I had one more point on him that I can't remember now. Sorry, oh, no, off. no, it's good. Oh, his shooting. I keep looking at things that he, uh, you know, what'd you add over the offseason? Mm. What's, your, what's your second year leap going to be? Because just naturally, you're going to get better at the game, I assume, just by repetition. Um, overall, he looks a lot like the same guy from last year, except for his shooting is a lot better to me. Three-pointers in particular, and it's early. You know, it's eight games, so he's played seven or six and three quarters. Yeah. Um, but his three-point shooting looks way more consistent. Uh, his pull-up shooting, he can go to that. And he's done, done it a couple times late in games. Um, the Minnesota win. 36% on pull-up threes. Yeah. The Minnesota win, he hit that bucket. Uh, he hit the the Spurs go-ahead bucket. 
And I feel like that's something he can comfortably go to at this point, um, which is not – I would not even approach that statement last year. Yeah. So that's what he's added to me. And the rest is kind of – it gets clouded because of how he's trying to fit in with everything and trying to figure that out. Um, and maybe those will shine in time. You know, maybe he is a better distributor of the basketball. Um, he's just not put in the position to do it yet or doesn't know how to work that in. Um, but, yeah, just a lot of questions about Dennis thus far. Um because you see the greatness. You see 27 points with ease. And then you see, you know, the Laker game, which was pretty frustrating for him and for everybody. Yep. Um, so, yeah. Uh, go ahead. Well, as for the shooting, uh, so Peter Patton, who's the Mavs' new shooting coach, they just hired Pete him Pat. this offseason. Yep, Pete Pat. Um, he's out on the floor. I don't know about at home games because usually during Dennis's warm-up time at home, I'm doing other stuff. But mm-hmm. on the road, I'm out there whenever Dennis is warming up. So uh, Dennis will shoot from everywhere on the floor. And literally every shot he takes, Peter Patton is from no matter where he takes it from, Peter is like a foot and a half behind Dennis, like yeah. watching every like every part of it from his toes up to his hair. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's like he is watching. And after every game, he goes back and watches every shot, makes a big report and goes and talks to him about it. I mm-hmm. mean, like he is I don't want to call him Dennis's shooting coach because he does talk to a lot of the other players. But I mean, he is. Dennis is like his baby right yeah. now, you know, and, and Dennis works with Shamgod as well and with other, play, or other, other coaches too. Um, you know, Sham obviously is a really good resource for him for handling the ball, and Dennis has, has shown he's got a lot more uh, useful rhythm dribbling in mm-hmm. his step up, and like things like that are good. But uh, Peter is really the guy that's like, okay, mechanically, mm-hmm. let's do this thing. And um, so that's going to be – an investment too. It's going to be like a time thing. Peter's only been here for like a couple months. You know, yeah. you, you spend years with these guys. Um, Dennis mechanically looks better on his shot. Uh, the one thing on the, on his pull-up sometime, and it, it might have only been the Lakers game. I don't know if it's these other games as much, but in the Lakers game, whenever he was pulling up uh, from like 17 feet, he'd be dribbling like, all right, crossover from right to left, go into a 17-footer, and his body's still fading yeah. to the left, you know? And uh, Westbrook, his little mid-range pull-up thing that's been, like, such a useful weapon for him forever, mm-hmm. he jumps straight up and lands straight down. Yeah. No matter where he's coming from, whether he's going forward, side, backwards, whatever. I feel like it took him a long time, though. It did, yeah. I mean, he was he was horrible at it in yeah. the playoffs. I mean, the yeah. Mavs backed off him in the playoffs whenever mm-hmm. they beat him, and he just couldn't do anything. I feel like he always would lean into almost everything. He just yeah. couldn't balance himself whenever he would, you know, you come off a jump. It's basically like a long jump. It's like almost three jumps at once because you're, you're exploding with your foot to get the space to shoot the shot and then you're gathering again resetting and then launching back again and trying to make that just an up and down and motion you hand in your face you're trying to right avoid right and you're trying to avoid somebody so your body's probably rotating a little bit it's just well i think what westbrook westbrook realized was uh it was maybe like two or three years ago when i had to, i used to work uh at fox sports southwest and you get assigned to teams for the year and like producers pick you to work their games and i had a lot of thunder games yeah um and uh, I remember I was talking to Antonio Daniels, and I was like, Wes, or Westbrook Russ, I guess we can call him, uh, looks a little bit different. I was like, what is he doing different? And it's almost what he started doing is, okay, once you realize you get out of balance, it's easier to get your feet exactly sh- shoulders apart, launch, launch forward. So that's just like an easy repetition thing. But what Russ started doing was it's, it's all about his chest being square and his arms going up together down together like follow through almost like you're throwing an axe right yeah so you you get the ball up 
you release it and your arms come down together. Just think about that. I wish that he would follow through a little more. Yeah. But yeah. But if it works for him. And he's kind of gotten away from it. I feel like that was one year, like, he went psycho on it. Yeah. And came into the year and would go up and shoot, come back down. Like, yeah. shoot, come back down. Um, and now he just kind of does, you know, he's he's won an MVP, so he's a little bit different yeah, guy. <laughs> a little bit of a different guy. But uh, one dude that is uh, shooting the piss out of the basketball right now, Luka Doncic. Yeah, dude. Our large adult son. Yeah. 54% from three over his last four games. Is that good? Uh, I think it's pretty good okay. uh, amongst the league. Okay. I think it might be, you know, top half-ish. Okay. You know. Cool. Um, and if I can get back on my soapbox, there are people that are concerned, like, too many step-back threes, right? That's kind of the, well, you know, if he eliminated that step-back three from his game, I'm like, dude, that's his game. All right? And if you don't. Okay, it's probably a he's probably shooting a bad percentage on that step back three, that mix it up in and out dribble behind the back. Okay, he's shooting a bad percentage in the last five seconds of the shot clock. Yeah, but that's your average. That's everybody. Yeah. yeah, and in fact, I wish I wish we could pull up specifically step backs, but you know they're labeled all of them are labeled as pull ups, whether they're one two three dribbles to the right and shoot or cross yep. it cross it step back shoot. Um, so there's not an accurate. Uh, distribution that you can find, but you might be. Able, hang on, keep talking. Oh, you might be able to find keep it. Talking, I might be Interested. Um, but what people don't realize about the step back three is, and I got this probably by being traumatized by James Harden for a long, a long series of Still years. Too <laughs> yeah. Still too soon. A series of years of James Harden throwing that into his game. He is uh, per NBA stats six for twenty on step backs. And okay. now there's, there's no way to go from that to so like 31 percent were like uh, the six of 20 is 30 percent. 30 percent. How many of those were like good? How right. many of those were forced? You yeah. Know, unless I watched all 20 of them right now, which I don't really want to do. Right. But OK, so that's not that effective of a shot on the surface. Right. Yep. If you're taken in a vacuum, do I want Luca shooting a step back off the dribble uh, three or not? I'm going to say no. What you don't realize is whenever you start mixing it up and you start heating the basketball up and throwing in and out dribble and behind the back and between the legs and, you know, lean forward on somebody. And then you work in that step back that, oh, I can jump back four feet because I'm six foot eight and remain balanced and still knock this down at a decent clip. Um, You get people on their toes. You get the defender leaning forward, ready, waiting for the step back. And eventually, he's going to start doing it so much, and he's going to have a couple – if he hits one early in the game, the effect that has on the defender, it changes the rest of the game because they're going to start leaning forward on you. He's going to start getting fouls yeah. on three-point shots. Desperation. Yes. And what happens when a defender is on his toes as opposed to playing off of you in the paint or even to the elbow um, is, okay, now there's a driving lane. There's a driving lane left. There's probably one right. There's a passing lane if you take that dribble. If you, if you pretend like you're going to the step back like Harden does a lot of the time and gets, you know, gets his body square and looks like both his hands are rising and then, oh, no, in and out dribble comes. Okay, that guy's closed out on you. He's on your hip. Now you have passing lanes. It just changes the entire – the geometry of the court changes like that if you start hitting step backs in people's faces. And even if it's not a great percentage, even if it's not a pure shot that you want to be taking a lot of the time – it's worth attempting. 
because of what it does to the angles, what it does to the defender. Uh, so I have no problem with the Lucas step back. Like, do it five times a game. I don't care. Yep. Absolutely. But 54% from three is pretty good, though, so I can't argue with any yeah, of it. Yeah, 54%. And guess what? Some of those makes mm-hmm. are on step backs. Yep. And, I mean, sometimes there's no other option, like if it's a late in the shot clock. But also it's just if you're on an island, you're either going to pass out, and I don't mean faint. I mean, like yeah. pass to somebody else. You're going to drive around your guy, or you're going to try and shoot over him. So would you rather him take, let's just say he shoots 30% on those for his career. 30% on step-back threes is uh, making three out of ten. So for every ten shots, you're getting nine points. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you shoot 40% from the mid-range, which is pretty good, for every ten shots, you're getting eight points. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's pretty simple math. Yeah. Like, so just mathematically, keep taking those shots. Um, because as his career goes on, he'll probably make more than 30% of them. That's just my guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, just for the, for the, the basic concept of forcing your defender to move away from the basket, like as a defender, you want to never get farther from the rim than you are, mm-hmm. right? Like even on a closeout, how do you practice a closeout if you're trying to run someone off the line? You're shuffling your feet. Because yeah. you want to stop. You don't yeah. want your guy to get by you. Mm. And so all of a sudden, if you're lunging out to stop Luca, he's either going to shot fake you into a foul or he's going to cross you over and get a layup. Yeah. Like, he's drawing you out of your comfort zone. And at this point, not enough players shoot step backs to where guys are used to defending them. It's a tough shot. Yeah, people aren't even used to defending Harden, mm. and that's been his move for five years. Yeah. So if Luca's one of, like, three players or five players, however many there are, Steph is one, I guess, too, that can do it, and he creates almost an open look for them, mm-hmm. for himself – uh, because his legs are so long. There was an SB Nation article about it. Uh, Mike Prada, I think, yeah. wrote that. Um, yeah, I mean, if he's going to create an open look for himself out of nothing, then, like, why would you not want him to do that? Yeah. And 30% is not great, but, like, on such a low – how many games have they played? Eight? Eight. So he's taking two and a half per game. Yeah. Like, that's not enough to get mad about. Mm-hmm. They, oh, it's worth it. They do a lot of other things on offense that are worth getting worked up about, mm-hmm. and that's not one of them. <laughs> right, exactly. That is not one of them That's so far down my list, and whenever you think of the overall like holistic effect that it can have when a guy starts playing, leaning forward over his skis a little bit and trying to get his hand up and um, I mean, he's going to de- develop wrinkles off that, and he's going to figure out how to shot fake people off the step back, and they just run right into him. The thing him. is, he can make them. Yeah. Now, imagine like LeBron, whenever he was guarding, or whenever guys were trying to guard him the other night, he's doing all this fancy dribbling, mm-hmm. and you, you don't care if he takes yeah. a step back. Let him do you it. Don't think he's going to yeah. make it. Like that's a win. Now yeah. he hit a couple of them, mm-hmm. but like a step back twenty footer, you're yeah. going to allow that every time. Yeah. Now imagine if LeBron could make them. Yeah. All of a yeah. sudden he's unstoppable. So I like, mean, you know, that's that's what the that's the galaxy brain thing of like if he can score from anywhere on the floor, then there's no way to defend him. Yes, and. If you just think of basketball more simply than we usually do, which is all I'm trying to do with all this motion, with all this ball swinging left to right, with, you know, pick and rolls, with uh, flare screens, with sets, the only thing I'm trying to do is create a five on four, a four on three, a three on two, or a two on one. That's what I'm trying to do. Every single motion offensively that you're taking in basketball you're either trying to do that or create space for an open look. Those are the, that's basketball. That's offensive basketball. Yeah. That's all it is. And if guys leaning forward because you're taking a step back or create spacing or you can either, A, get that open look, get the ball swung. Like if a guy's up on Luka and he swings it, then there's a passing lane that wasn't there before. 
or if he gets by his man and beats him one-on-one, which is kind of the thing that's – it's almost uh, an overarching theme this season. And maybe I'm just watching it closer after DeAndre mentioned it, that no one can guard anyone one-on-one. Yep. And I feel like, true, man. I feel like offensive basketball has gotten so good. Um, and one is the freedom of motion it's like role. Slot receivers. Yeah, you know, I mean, there's no way you can stop. You can, yeah, you can't. You can't defend sideline and you know hash marks yep. on a slot receiver. It just doesn't doesn't work. Um, so you choose a side. Yep. Then when I let when I let you drift out of the three point line and get the shot, or you know, I'm gonna, am I gonna funnel you back to the middle uh, and see what my center can do with you after that? And it's almost it's a pick your poison type thing uh, for defensive coaches that have any kind of scheme. So, real quick, do you think in five years uh, the hand check is allowed? Probably, yeah. I kind of hope so, personally. Probably. But I know everyone likes scoring, but come on. They, we need to. If you're going to go full on freedom of motion, um, try and. Well, it's freedom of motion in both ways because they do it offensively and defensively. Um, I was going to say we probably need to chill out on the offensive screening fouls. But then I feel like they're almost tiger-proofing the course, as <laughs> golf golf courses used to do, yeah. where they're trying to tiger-proof against the Warriors. Yeah. Where, okay, the Warriors set illegal offensive screens every possession. So they're trying to call them for it, right? They're trying to change the game to where it almost evens out the playing field, and the Warriors are just kind of laughing at them, like, okay, watch us go back to this, yeah. what we used to do, and <laughs> it'll be fine. And another thing the Warriors do is they foul defensively like crazy. Like, Dude, they're, they're the Seahawks. Every time. I mean, yeah, it's very frustrating. <laughs> and, and, that's, and that's what JaVale was doing, and he learned it from the Warriors. Yeah, I mean, because if you do it, it's just like the Celtics in 2008, right? Yeah. If you foul somebody every time, eventually the officials are going to get bored mm-hmm. of calling it. Yep. Like, JaVale was called for offensive uh, – for 3D, sorry, mm-hmm. defensive three seconds. He was called for it twice – in the first quarter and was not called for it again the rest of the game. It's not like he was defending any different. He didn't change. It's just they just got bored. Right. You slapped him on the wrist. You assumed he would would correct it because, I mean, if it happens two or three times, your coach is probably going to sit you and be like, what you doing? Yeah. But they called it once. They assumed he would correct his activity. Dude, he just sat. He, he sat in the paint. But if you do it every time, yeah. if if whenever uh, whenever DeAndre, who's your man, is getting the defensive rebound every time, and you come back on top of him, mm-hmm. uh, you're not, every single time, and DeAndre gets 19 rebounds or whatever it is, yeah. you're not going to call him for 19 fouls, right? And you're going to piss off DeAndre to the point where he gets a technical. For, yeah. For he got DeAndre got a defensive rebound mm-hmm. and got a technical yeah. for it. Like, yeah, that was that pretty was funny. Insane. That was he pretty was, funny. He was like this close to being tossed from that game. Yeah. Because he'd been fouled 30 times, but again, yeah. if you do it every time, mm-hmm. and that's why, like, whenever Carlisle starts talking about, well, we have to start more aggressive. We have to take the mm-hmm. game to them. What do you think he means? Yeah. It's not like we need to go to the basket. It's just we need to like give him a little nudge. Mm-hmm. Like you just you you got to make it tough for them. Yeah. You can't. You know, maybe don't play by the rules for the first few possessions and see if you can get away with it. I mean, the rules are open for interpretation. Yeah. That's the thing you learn. Like, if you're playing by the rules and everyone else isn't, then you're the dummy in the room. Yeah, and here's one example, and I know that it might be too soon to bring it up, but that last play by Wes Mm -hmm. at the very end of the game whenever he reached around, around LeBron and hit him on the shoulder and got called for the foul. So Wes tries that pretty often yeah. he'll probably pull that out three or four times a game where on that play 
LeBron was going to get by him no matter what because West stepped out 30 feet from the basket and LeBron is getting a full head of steam for 60 feet before there's no nobody on earth can stop LeBron except for like a mountain you know yeah. if you plop down Mount Everest on the floor LeBron would stop but otherwise it's I feel you're, like you're going to lose West is almost the wrong person to well, guard LeBron their their rhythms are so different Yeah well I mean in that specific case I don't think that they expected the Lakers to go end to end yeah. which is end to end basketball great basketball yeah. but anyway so Wes was like, all right, if, if he's going to beat me anyway, I'm going to try this move that yeah. he always does. And sometimes he fails and gives up a layup or gets a foul or something. But every now and then he gets the ball. Mm -hmm. And he does it enough to where – actually, it's kind of – I'm proving your point here. He, he kind of gets called for a foul on, on that move whenever it's not a foul. Mm -hmm. He'll get the ball. But because he's reaching around, like, the guy's right side, the official on the left-hand side is calling it, thinking Wes fouled him, but he yeah. actually got all ball. Yeah. And there's a re you'll see Wes, like, throw his mouthpiece and get really mad, mm -hmm. and you think, what are you doing, you idiot? And then you watch the replay and realize, whoa, he actually – that was all ball, but it yeah. just looked like he got fouled. Right. So, like, that's an instance where he does this all the time. He should never get called for the foul unless it's actually a foul. Mm -hmm. But officials are just kind of conditioned to think – that it is a foul because they can't see it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But uh, anyway, sometimes he does foul them and isn't called for it. But, like, if yeah. you do something consistently enough and you're good at it, like Dirk's little strip mm -hmm. thing, yeah. Dirk gets a lot of wrist on those but yeah. doesn't get called for it right. because he does it all the time. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's something you got to get – I mean, it's like everything in basketball is if you get good at it and you repeat it over and over, then you can probably get away with it. Luke it's is like, not going to be called for traveling every time. Either. No, you know he, he's not going to get called for – yeah, He'll exactly. He'll be called for it every game, yeah. but not every time. It's like I don't know if anybody even calls chicken wing call anymore, offensive hooking. No, no, never. Like that never gets called. But Dude, never. People people do that. They don't call LeBron for uh, that little spinning layup he had in the yeah. fourth quarter. That was a hop, skip, and a jump, man. He, yeah. he took like about five steps before that. And the Mavericks bench was irate, and I was like, what are they talking about? That was yeah, and then I that's pretty the normal. Like, oh, my yeah. God, he took like seven steps. Yep. Yep. But if, again, if you do it every single time and you're really good. If you if he's unstoppable, if you're going to let him do that. Yeah. There's no there's no human being alive. Maybe Giannis. Giannis still might not be strong enough yep. to deliver the physical blow it takes that LeBron – when LeBron starts spinning at you, like, that's the trick that most people don't realize about, about big men is if you're coordinated enough and you have balance enough and you dribble at somebody and spin and either impose your, your weight onto them and hit them at all or, uh, you know, just downhill straight at somebody's spin off of them, there's nothing people can do about it. Your shoulders are too wide. Yep. You're asking somebody to reach not only your arm length but completely across your shoulder. Once you've impacted them with your weight, and your natural, if your hands are up and you get hit in yeah, the stomach, you your lean arms forward. Come down. Yep, yep. That's, I mean, that's another what hard, do you, hard what move. What do you think would have happened against Wes had Wes not reached around him? LeBron would have spun. He would have spun right there through him. Nobody else. Yeah. Behind him. Well, and that's why I think Wes was the wrong defender to be on him because Wes, whenever Wes locks in, and he's like. He goes into, like, Wolverine mode where he's just going to track every move you're making and try to anticipate, like, the second or third one. Like, Wes is perfect to guard like James Harden because every move that James Harden makes is with intent, and it's real jittery, and it's real off-kilter, and it's no rhythm to it. Mm. And Wes can react quick enough and kind of poke the ball and get at him and stay with him and put the brakes on and everything like that. LeBron's just – it's 
heavy foot, heavy foot, heavy foot, yeah. spin. He's like um, the juggernaut. Dude. Elbows are up. You're going to hit me here, 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 and you're going to bounce off, and then I'm going right hand. Like, I'm going to take four steps. Yes, Just I'm going to take – No, um, he's, great. he's great. Like, he did it a couple times in the game, and Luca played well against him, honestly. Uh, that one possession, Luca did stop him. And Luca plays – at his rhythm defensively because mm. he's not that good of a defender. Like, yeah. there's a defender that can play against LeBron. Uh, Luca's got a little more. Yeah, he's heavier. Yeah, he's bigger. Yeah, he's bigger, yeah. And there's just. But, I mean, in that scenario, I mean, so actually it's it's interesting that the Lakers went end to end because the Mavs called a timeout mm-hmm. um, after – uh, whoever was at the – was it Kuzma at the free throw line? He missed the first one, made the second one. Yeah, Mavs called Kuzma. timeout, and they chose to go end-to-end, mm-hmm. uh, which was really weird that they did that. I was very surprised because normally they don't. But uh, they went, they go end-to-end. Luka scores, uh, and he scores which with his – Which is completely called for him, which is just insane to yeah, me. Well, no, it was the same exact play they ran the play before. It's oh, that, the tying and, one? And the same play they ran against the Spurs yeah. on the stretch. It's that stack play where – they screen the screener, and mm. Wes pops out to the three-point line. They yeah. ran that play the play before. They got Barnes the three because LeBron cheated off yeah. him. So then this time they go the same exact play end-to-end. Luka drives left. LeBron doesn't come, so he goes up for that shot, hits it. So at the end of that play, Barnes is in the corner. Luka is like five feet from the basket. So they're both like out of the play, mm-hmm. right? Wes is at the three-point line. DeAndre had just set a screen, so he's like at the free-throw line. And then uh, J.J. was the point guard, and I don't even know where he was. But obviously, he's not guarding LeBron. Yeah. So, you got two guys that are on the baseline. You have your center at the free throw line, and then you have Wes. Yeah. So, like. What happens if he doesn't? Is yeah. Luka, Luka going to track LeBron full yeah. court? Is Barnes going to track LeBron full court? And, I mean, they think you're just conditioned to, like, take a breath after they yeah. score because you're thinking timeout. Yep. But then that's all it takes. That's yeah. all LeBron needs because yep. he gets the inbound pass. Once he takes his first step, he's, like, mm-hmm. he's a he's a avalanche. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh so there was no way. I mean, in, in that timeout, normally you think, like, okay, if we score here, here's what we do. But you can't even fault the Mavs for not going over that scenario because it's such an unlikely thing that not only will we score, but we'll be in a funky position and LeBron will take the inbound pass immediately. Mm-hmm. Like, that's just not a scenario that you could go over while also trying to draw the yeah. play, you know? Yeah. Uh, so if, if there was a timeout called – then maybe they would have done something a little differently. But mm-hmm. it was just like, man, you go back and watch that replay. If LeBron beat West, there was nobody else there to help him. And so at that point, it's like, I'm either going to try and force you to take a seven-footer mm-hmm. or I'm going to try and win the game. Yeah, I would have – I mean, it wasn't an option at that point because they were basically just like tracking. Mm. West was kind of on his hip, maybe three-quarters in front, um, where – if you can play off LeBron, I, I play. I beat him to the spot that he's going to. Yeah. I'll, I'll race you to that point right there. I'm gonna turn around. Yeah. No, he wasn't really tracking. I mean, he kind of met him just after half court. Yeah. West kind of came out to him. Yeah. But at that point, there was still three seconds left, which mm-hmm. is enough time for LeBron to get to the to the rim for a yeah. dunk. I mean, yeah. so like, if West would have chosen a spot. Mm-hmm. LeBron might have still been able to beat him anyway. Because I mean, that was a fast yeah. break. That yeah. Was, that was a fast break. LeBron was sprinting and. That's, it's just like that shot he hit against uh, the Raptors in the playoffs where mm-hmm. he went coast to coast. It was a tough shot he hit. Yeah, the it was a really tough shot. So, I mean, maybe – and who was, who was guarding him then? Was it – That was – might have been OG. Was it? Might have been Ananobi. Yeah, so that was pretty incredible to, like, sort of yeah. steer him away from the rim. Yeah. 
But I mean, I, I just don't know. I mean, Wes is only six four. Yeah. Think, I don't think Wes. No, I think you have to play off. Steer him. Yeah, I think you dare him to shoot. But with that much time left, yeah. it's tough to think like. Oh, he's not settling for it. Yeah, you know, he's you have just to. Not, it's you have tough. to ask him real nicely. You're on LeBron and, Island at that yeah. point. I mean, I, I mean, I'd play five feet off. Like I'd be like, you know what, you're gonna you're gonna beat us. You're knocking down a jumper, yeah, bro. Yeah, and force him. But yeah, the, even then, man, he might pull. Up, he might pull up from seven feet. Yeah. He might even Maybe. still be able to – he might do a spin and get a yeah. call. I mean, know? he could still plow right through you. But, yeah, I mean, they'd called him once for lowering his shoulder. Uh, and then Luca got him one time where I don't know if he just didn't know where he was or didn't quite follow through on the on the layup or something where he missed a – it was a bunny. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, that was a, what usually is a 75% make. It was probably a fifty percent make on that night. Yeah. So I don't know. It's there. It was a no-win situation. It was tough, man. And the thing is, like, if you play that same exact scenario ten times, West going for the ball, he probably gets the ball like three times. Yeah. If you give LeBron ten runouts from under his own mm-hmm. basket, yeah, against anybody, yeah. ten times, he's probably scoring like six yeah. or seven of them. Yeah. So and getting a foul the other. Yeah. Two. So <laughs> it's almost. I mean, I don't know. Obviously, you never want to foul someone, mm-hmm. but it's almost a higher percentage play, as stupid as that sounds, to try and steal the ball than it is to like say I'm gonna I'm gonna stop yeah. you one on one whenever you're coming right at me. Yeah, it was. Like I mean, going up for a jump ball against Calvin Johnson in the red zone. Yeah, and like, and like not committing pass interference. Right. I think they they'd already lost. Like once LeBron yeah. had a head of steam crossing half That's court kind of with the ball. Like, oh crap. Yeah. I mean, I I know how that movie ends. Yeah. Like it's there's nothing it you can do. Every time. Yeah, I mean, every time. I mean, he's, I mean, he is the juggernaut. Like there's no way you can't stop him. You can't if you get in front and try and take a charge. You better be there two seconds ahead and have your shoulders square and feet planted. And I mean, take a charge because that is hope <laughs> that whenever the referee flips his coin, it's tails. Yes, exactly. And you know. yeah, I'm not gonna leave that up to them. It's amazing that they called him for tra- uh, charging the first time. Yeah. Whenever they did, I think it was yeah. against Luca. Uh huh. Uh, yeah, dude, Luca's the LeBron stopper. Is, is, that, is that what we're saying? Yeah, is drew, that what we're saying? Here? Drew a charge, ain't got to stop at the rim. Yeah, uh, your other Luca hot take uh, while we're here uh-huh. is that he's not involved enough in the offense. Uh, <laughs> okay, if you look at rookie usage percentage, he's second behind Trey Young. Right, and um, against guys that are among rookies that have played. <laughs> In more than three fourth quarters and significant minutes in fourth quarters, mm-hmm. which, sorry, that disqualifies Brad Wanamaker. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Brad. Every other rookie that has played one minute of fourth quarter basketball this season has a lower usage rate than Luka in the fourth quarter. Luka's usage in the fourth quarter is 29.1. Your next actually involved player that plays more than garbage time is Trey Young at 24.8. So wow. Luka is way more involved in the offense yeah. in the fourth quarter than everybody else. So, like – you're not gonna ride. You're not gonna ride your horse for four quarters like that. Mm-hmm. He's just not there yet, conditioning-wise, responsibility-wise, mental, physical, spiritual, emotional, whatever. Like, you mm-hmm. can't be the guy that handles the ball every single time. Vegetable. Like, it's yeah. It's just not. You're not there yet. You're 19. Like yeah. It's a process. That is that is one of the cooler things about him. In that okay, every game he's done something that impressed me. Mm-hmm. It's like uh, you know, he's a new toy. Like you find cool new things that he can do almost every time he takes the court that you didn't anticipate. Like, even if it was just uh, in the Laker game that he just went one-on-one and got the bucket that he had to get. Um, And a couple of the games have been just 
first halves weren't fun for him, you know, whatever for whatever reason. Either his shot's not falling or, you know, the teardrop isn't exactly, you know, uh, hitting the right arc at this moment and he's getting in the lane and getting frustrated, making the right decision but still not getting the points. Um, but then to watch him through a, the flow of a game and go, you know what, he just had a crap first half. There's no way around it. Uh, probably was an overall negative effect on the game the first half. And then he comes out in the third quarter, in the fourth quarter, and plays exceptional. And that's something that rookies honestly don't do. They kind of get, they kind of disappear into a bag. <laughs> like whenever the first quarter doesn't go their way or, or whole first half doesn't go their way. But for him to run back out there and take the same exact shot that he just got burnt, he's just putting his hand back on the stove and going, I dare you. <laughs> um, and he'll take the same exact shots. And he knows, you know what, I'm a good shooter. This is going to fall. Um, that's pretty cool of him. Uh, it's just a fun fun little side inside basketball thing to watch. Is whenever he's not playing well, it's almost like a Dirk 2011 finals thing where it's like, you know what, he's not having his best game right now. He's going to make a shot that's going to either, you know, uh, lead him to a victory or let him give him a chance to win. Yep. And that's something you don't see from rookies. And he's not a normal rookie at all. I mean, the 30-point game was like blew my freaking mind that San Antonio could not draw up a defense to do anything against a 19-year-old. Yeah, who's not fast. No, you know he's not fast. And that's one of the other things is, okay, he's got upside to him. As soon as he – dude, he's going to get – those shoulders are going to get wider. His arms are going to get bigger. He's going to get a little bit more, more bouncy. He's going to be able to do the heavy lifting for longer stretches yeah. if need be. Yeah. Well, if he goes, if he imagine, goes. Imagine if this is right now the worst Luca will ever be. I mean, probably. Just like. Probably. Can you th- like? Right, dude. He's like borderline All Star level good. Today. Yes. Yes. Yeah. What, I mean, I, even if he never gets better, mm-hmm. he's really good. I told you that was my hot take on our season preview episode. What? Was they're going? You know, I don't think he makes an all makes the All Star team, but there's going to be questions as to why he's not on that team. He'll be like in your, in yes. your snub yeah. level. Yeah, should have made it list. Dude, if they're – if I mean, it's going to be tough, obviously, because the NBA is hard. But if they're like near 500 mm-hmm. at the All-Star break and he's averaging anywhere near 26-4, and four, then yeah. like, it's going to be tough to keep him off the team. Yeah, I didn't anticipate this. In L.A., this. he got cheers. Yeah, like, yeah. L.A. is not a booing town. No. So it's not, they're not booing opponents. No, they're just there to see something. They cheered for Luca. Yeah. I no. Mean, they don't even cheer for some of their own players. Yeah, like Rondo. I don't know if Rondo yeah, gets cheered. They, you know, they get, like, you know, starting at center, JaVale McGee. Like, <laughs> yeah, cool. Yeah. Um, all right. You want to do a little Knicks preview? I got some. Uh, well, I, w- I want I want to run down a couple things. So, okay. Go for it. Uh, we've talked about a lot of problems, and there are problems with this team. But here are winning numbers. Uh, so, oh, okay, first – some of the losing numbers uh defensive rating not good enough yeah um they are allowing they're not a good defense at this point not right now uh i think a lot of these issues are correctable mm-hmm. um but for now it's it doesn't it doesn't help that people are shooting 50 percent from three against them which is just i keep saying to. it i keep freaking saying it it's gotta stop it's gonna it is gonna stop not just that it's gotta stop it's gonna stop uh, so here are a couple bad numbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're bottom ten in the league in opponents' points off turnovers. So they mm-hmm. turn the ball over a lot. Opponents score off them. Live, live ball turnovers. Yeah. Backcourt 
They're bottom five in the league in opponents' fast break points. So yep. that's not very good. But here are winning numbers, okay? So these are things that they're doing well, where mm-hmm. whenever suddenly teams aren't hitting 90% of their threes against them, uh, they will start looking a little better. They allow the sixth fewest field goal attempts in the restricted area in the NBA. The teams that are ahead of them on that list, Bucks, Pistons, Pacers, Warriors, Jazz, they're all in the playoffs if the season started today. They allow, uh, I believe they're fifth from the bottom or fourth from the bottom in opponent three-point attempts per game. Uh, so from 24-plus feet, they're third. Oh, uh, we, and we stopped shooting threes the way we were, too. Last four games, I think we're only shooting 30 a game. Yeah, which is more in line with the rest yeah. of the league. Um, but they don't allow a lot of three-point attempts. Mm-hmm. They don't allow a lot of shots in the restricted area. Mm-hmm. Guess where that means people are shooting, the mid-range. Yeah. That's where you want them to shoot. Uh, teams are not making them <laughs> mm-hmm. against the Mavs. Uh, overall opponent shooting between 16 and 24 feet. Uh, teams are attempting 10.5 of those per game, which is a very good number uh, if you're the Mavs. Unfortunately, they're making 48% of them. A lot of that was DeMar DeRozan by himself. Yeah. Um, Aldrich is a specialist there, too. Yeah. Teams are shooting 14.5 shots between 8 and 16 feet. That's a terrific number. That's fourth most in the league behind only Utah, Milwaukee, and Philly. Again, three playoff teams. Opponents are shooting only 38% on those shots. So teams are not shooting well even in the restricted area against the Mavs. They're not shooting a lot in the restricted area. Uh, They're just making an ungodly amount of threes. Uh, The Mavs are fourth from the bottom, or fourth from the top, I guess I should say, in opponents' points at the paint. Their opponents are only scoring 42 in the paint. Only teams ahead of them, Indy, Milwaukee, Toronto, um, the team that's behind them, Golden State. Again, if you were if you were to play the finals, it's probably Golden State against one of those three teams, maybe Boston. Oh, yeah, Boston's eighth in that stat. Um, and the Mavs are also – oh, I closed out that window. Oh, no. Stall for time Dude, real quick. Just real think quick, about how – how good their numbers oh, would here. be I'm sorry. if that first five minutes wasn't just a roll yeah. a roll around in a crap sandwich. I know, man. Like I know. that. Like I love what their offense is right now. Like yeah. I, I think that's the future of offense if you plug in <laughs> the right pieces. And they're, I mean, dude, they're allowing good shots. Mm-hmm. And I, by good shots, I mean allowing good shots. If you're the defense, defense, yeah. Like opponents do not want to take the kind of shots that they're taking against the Mavs. It just so happens that they're making literally every three-pointer they, they shoot. And now I will say a lot of them are open. There's been a lot of miscommunications. Like in the Lakers game, for yeah. example, Josh Hart got a wide-open three on a fast break because no one knew who they were guarding. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of these issues are this is the first time Dallas is switching screens. Uh, so there's just some breakdowns of guys aren't talking mm-hmm. and guys get wide-open three-point looks. And those are going to go in more often than not. But I will say – Opponents right now, uh, points per shot, points per possession on threes against the Mavs is higher than what Clay Thompson shot on unguarded catch-and-shoot jumpers last year. So teams collectively are shooting better from three against the Mavs than Clay Thompson did last season whenever he was wide open. I mean, that's like, that is impossible. And I know that there's the whole, if you let your opponent get comfortable, they're going to make more shots thing. Mm-hmm. I don't actually believe that. I think that's more coach speak. Um, And there's a point, I mean, you don't want everyone to be open against you, but even if everybody's open, if you put Trey Young, great young shooter, at the three-point line in a game, in a game, not in the practice gym where everybody makes everything, in a game and you leave him open 150 times, 
he's not going to make 50% of them every game. <laughs> but it just so happens that teams are shooting 50% on threes against the Mavs this season. I mean, that is like, that's ridiculous. And if you think back of all the teams that they've lost to, Rondo makes a 50-footer to beat the first quarter buzzer. They lose that game by one. Uh, the Spurs, I think it was Marco Bellinelli made like two threes in yeah. 30 seconds, and one of them was way off bounce. It's mm-hmm. an awful shot, but it Bad went in. decision, yeah. That game went to overtime. Like, yeah. All of these games that they're losing by very fine margins, mm-hmm. if they just shoot a league average or even the 29th best mm-hmm. three-point percentage, the Mavs win them. Yeah. You know? the, the tough thing is to keep replicating that formula whenever it's not working no, it's exactly. Not working. Yeah. You know, and whenever so you're two and six. Committed. And, I mean, they have, to, the, to their credit, they played better against the Raptors and the Spurs mm-hmm. and the Jazz even um, for long stretches defensively than they did against teams like Atlanta Chicago, Minnesota, who collectively those teams scored like almost 400 points against the Mavs mm-hmm. in those three games. And then uh, Toronto, Utah, and uh, the Spurs. The Spurs, what, what was that score when it went into overtime? Like 102, 102 or something? Yeah, like I mean, we didn't really score in overtime. They went to like 112 or 113, and I think yeah. we were like 106 and or something. 113 in the NBA is like average. Yeah. And those are, yeah. you know, Utah, San Antonio, San Antonio maybe, but Utah, Toronto, those are like 50, 60 win mm-hmm. teams. So. You know, you don't want to be the team that plays to the level of the competition. You don't want to be that team either. But the Mavericks are, in theory, doing the right thing on defense. It just so happens that it's – if I make half my threes against you, I'm going to beat you. Yeah. That's what it. That's what it is. Oh, yeah. There's no way around that. That's just a numbers game. You're just chasing, like, an inevitable, like, the sun setting. You're just yeah. trying to outrun the sun. Yeah. to the horizon if you're going to hit 50% against me. I think the Lakers only took 17 or 18, mm-hmm. which is a losing number. Yeah. But they made 10 of them. Yeah. That's a winning number. That's 30 points off. The, it takes the average team, like, 28 threes to make yeah. 10. It took the Lakers 17. So, I mean, that's the, that's the kind of thing where it's like you just got to – you got to stay committed. You got to clean up a couple of the communication issues that are leading to wide open players. Mm-hmm. And you just got to hope – that eventually the basketball gods will repay you for uh, what they've taken from your family so far. Yeah, it's the first five minutes. Like, if you just take that out, they probably are profiled as a top ten team. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, there's no way around it. Yeah, but now they've played almost a game worth of opening five minutes. Yeah, that's Tim all Cato had the bad. stat. Uh, the ceiling is the roof's own. Mm-hmm. Tim Cato had the stat of the, the Mavs' average differential when the first time out of the game is called is like yeah. minus five this yeah. season. And um, that includes a plus nine against Atlanta. So generally when the – and if you take that out, I mean, that's it's like yeah. minus seven or minus eight. So in the first five minutes, and they've played eight of those, so they've played 40 minutes worth of five minutes, they're like minus 70 per 100. Outside of that, they have got to be like – Top yeah. five in differential. Yeah, but you just can't. You can't. Take I don't. That away. I don't know how you do it. Like I don't know how you fix it. I mean, just keep going and assume it's gonna revert to the mean, um, regress back to average, because I don't think they're doing anything like exceptionally wrong, except for getting mixed up on defense every once in a while. And and some of those are, I mean, unforgivable mistakes. I mean, yeah. Like if, you know, you can't have two guys guard the same guy in mm-hmm. transition. You know, just call it out. But that's yeah. the – that's so fixable. Yeah. It's like with a couple practices, they will clean up some of that. Yeah. Yeah. It's just – I don't think they need to do anything yet. Like, I don't know if there's a 
do you play zone the first five minutes type thing or you pro- you maybe incorporate a little bit of zone yeah you know but that's just they're fighting so hard to get back square because they start off so poorly that it's insane yeah rick, rick um, actually put the he put the the math of it into context the other day mm-hmm. uh he said whenever the mavs were one and one mm-hmm. they beat chicago to go to two and one yeah and rick said are you gonna win four more to get back to this percentage yeah because yeah, yeah. he, he said yeah he, he was like the analytics of it are just this was a must-win game and i was like yeah. you're full of crap yeah and then he said no yeah because if you win this game you're two and one uh-huh. if you lose you're one and two and you have to win three games in a row just yeah. to get back to winning two out of three uh-huh so like that makes You're sense, just, yeah. And that's just one game. Yeah. Now imagine they're two and six right now. We just said they could have won three of those games. They could be five and three, like easily. Mm-hmm. Think of how much better off they'd be standings wise and just like yeah. outlook wise if they had. Mm-hmm. But you haven't. Yeah. Uh, brief preview of the Knicks tonight. Okay. Um, one thing that stands out to me thus far is they are one of the worst shot selection teams in the NBA. Uh, 29th in terms of quantitative shot quality. That bodes well for Dallas. It really does. It's Tim Hardaway. So Nilakina starting at point guard. Nilakina, Trey Burke. No, Trey Burke starting at point guard. Nilakina starting at two. Okay. Tim Hardaway Jr., Ennis Cancer, and uh, who am I forgetting out of there? My bad. Their power forward. Uh, Lance, Lance Thomas. Thomas. Lance Thomas is the is the power forward. Not a lot um, of three-point shooting. They have Noah Vonley, which is very confusing. Um, he doesn't start for them? No, he's second unit, and their second unit is actually okay. Okay. Starters are bad. Who do they um, got off the bench? Bench is, let me pull up. I had it on my computer over there. Sorry for making, I, I can no, you're good. this up. I just don't want to. You're good. i got to scroll all the way down here if to find If only there was a way for me to find out, I would. <laughs> so they're two and six themselves. Yep. Their only wins are against Atlanta and Brooklyn, which you might scoff at, but a win against Atlanta would be really fun right now. It would be. If we had nice one. Have one of those. It'd be great to be three and five right now. It would um, be very nice. Let's see. Okay, so starting lineup is uh well, I'm looking at averages now. Does Vonley start for them? No, he doesn't. Okay. They got some weird lineups Dude, rolling out there. You're going to make me look this up right now. Burke, Neela, Kina, Hardaway, Lance Thomas, Cantor as the starters. I'm putting this Bench. on record. I will go on record right now and just say Trey Burke is the kind of player. He's going to score 30 points tonight. You think so? I just – I promise you. I promise you. Tim Hardaway – well, if he scores 30, then it's going to be weird when Tim Hardaway Jr. scores 30 as well. Oh, Tim Hardaway Jr. is going to make like – Because the yeah. Michigan connection. Oh, absolutely. Um, absolutely. So, second unit is Neil Aquina, something, somebody named D. Dotson. Don't know. Damian Dotson. Never heard of him before. Wow. Uh, Hardaway Jr., Von Ley, and Mitchell Robinson, the rook. Mitchell Robinson, okay. Yeah. Oh, and, and Alonzo Trier, too, don't forget. Yeah, Alonzo Trier is in the rookie. And the Church of Hazonia. Dude, do you want to hear some stats that are going to make you really sad? Of course. Uh, so, the Knicks, you say they're, they're very bad at uh, shot quality or whatever? Yes. Uh, Three-point percentages. Hardaway, 41. Nilakina, yep. 39. Dodson, yep. 38. Trey Burke, 38. Alonzo Trier, 45. Kevin Knox, 44. Yeah. Feels like yeah. this could be a game where you look up and say, they have how many points? Yeah. If the, if this whole trend of, like, nobody ever misses whenever they shoot a three against – like, if the Knicks go 11 for 21 tonight or something. They play last night. Hopefully they played last night. Let's see. Schedule and results. They last played Oct 31 – it's uh, a Wednesday six. night. Yeah, no, I mean, Sabonis went for 30 against them. Did you see that? Wow. DeMontis Sabonis went 30, 10 of 10, I think. 10 of 10? 10 of 10. A perfect 30. That's awesome. It was so nuts. Yeah, so they've only beaten the Hawks and the Nets. Um, 
They've lost by double digits to Milwaukee, Miami, Golden State. Yeah, and they actually played pretty well against the Pacers. They just, like I said, the Pacers kind of played a perfect game yeah. uh, against them. It's uh, the one thing that's interesting about the Knicks is, okay. Sorry, sorry. No, you're good. Um, obviously, they're a disaster defensively. Um, they just don't have any stoppers. I mean, Neil Aquina can D you up a little bit. Trey Burke has some good activity. but um, This is the kind of game where Dennis needs to have five layups. Yeah. Uh, and, I mean, Lance Thomas is passable, but Cantor can't defend anybody to save his life. And Tim Hardaway Jr. is way too focused on the offensive end of the court. Um Tim Hardaway Jr. is shooting about twice as much as anybody else in that team. He has 20 shots per game. Yes. Dude, if he, he's taking nine threes. Nine threes. Shooting 41% on those. I mean, that's good. That's what's crazy. His two-point percentage is 45, though. So it, that I'm assuming Hardaway is probably the guy you put Wes on. Uh, although They'd probably you, match up nice. They'd probably match up well. put Luka on Hardaway um, mm. because someone is guarding – is Dennis guarding Trey Burke? Is West guarding Nilakina or is Luka guarding Nilakina? Yeah. Um, either way, I mean, Nilakina and Hardaway are both big-time three-point shooters. So you got to run them off the line. And if you run them off the line, you're probably going to get a stop. Yeah. Their, their collective two-point percentage is not good. No, and they have, like, just a couple overall negative offensive players and Lance Thomas. Um, Cancer, everyone knows what – Cantor is. I mean, he'll get he's a Mavs killer. Though. Yeah, he'll get five to eight posts up, and you know he's pretty good at him. Like he finds little crafty ways to get the ball off underneath in the restricted area, but nothing special. I mean, he's a great seventh man. Like yep, and he killed them off the bench whenever he was yeah. Thunder. Yep, dude. he killed a lot of people off the bench. I'll tell you who's Thunder. always hyped to play in his Cantor. Salah Medri. Ooh, we get some Salah. You know, Salah's from Tunisia. Yeah, Turkey Cantor's from Turkey. So uh, I, th- I believe Turkey actually plays in. Uh, Europe competitions, mm, okay. um, but anyway, you know th- those guys are all. Uh, I'm sure they have a little bit of a geographical this, rivalry going on. This might be an offensive get right game. Hope not so. not that we've been bad offensively, but just like standard across all quarters, balanced good offense. <laughs> um, because we stopped shooting as many threes, but uh, I don't think that's the explanation for. We're just playing more normal games. Like, I feel like the first three with shooting 39 threes a game or whatever it was through four games this season wasn't – that just wasn't exactly us. It was fun. It was fun to watch. But uh, that's not how they're trying to play. They're trying to be a little bit above league average, probably 35 is probably the sweet spot for threes for them, maybe 33. I don't know. I don't know what Rick has in mind for it. But, um, yeah, Tim Hardaway Jr. is the dude. Like, there's nothing else on that team that even interests me or scares me. If that dude, he may score 37 yeah, I mean, Wednesday we should night. Say, so Kevin Knox is out. And yeah, Knox is Recep out. Porzingis is out. And those right. guys are going to be your – those are your guys that could score 30 on you. you yes. Know? So without Way that, different team with those guys. Tim is scoring 26 points yes. per game right now. I know. Holy dude, he's, he's Zach Levining right wow. now. I know. That's what happens when you shoot nine threes. That's true, dude. Yeah, you're right. I if you're mean, shooting you make, nine if you make, if you threes, make four threes per game and five yes. free throws, that's 17 points. Yes, he's. God. I mean, he's shooting nine threes. 26 points per game. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, he's gonna be fun to watch. Is he the next guy that scores 30 on the Mavs? Um, it just seems like so. I was I was having this conversation with someone the other day. It I don't know if he like has the, anything in between. Does it's he? A, it's always like the the Michael B. Like for the Lakers. Yeah. Who killed him in that game? Javale McGee, McGee killed him yeah. in that game. Like. There's always, like, just some random guy on the opposing team mm-hmm. who just 
has a career night. Michael yeah. Beasley dropped 30 on the Mavs last year. Like, yeah. There's just that dude. And mm. I feel like that dude on this team normally would be Tim Hardaway. But because he's scoring 26 points per game, yeah. that's why I'm shifting my vote to Trey Burke. Okay. You're going to look up in the fourth quarter. The Mavs are going to be up by like four. The Knicks are making a run. And you look up and you're like, when did Trey Burke get to 27? Yeah. You know? Maybe. Maybe. He's going to make at least two shots that, call, that make Carlisle call timeout. Probably. Probably right. I think the most interesting thing to me is, okay, they don't have anybody that can defend against us. Like, I don't like any of their matchups. If you're starting, if you're thinking Neil who Akeen you're going to throw it. If Neil is on okay, Neil Akeen is fun. Neil Akeen is fun. But, okay, then Trey Burke is, I would just post West like seven West. straight you're, times. You're posting West up every time if he's guarding him. Just run baseline if he, you know chugs you all the way across the lane then you just pop out to three if he plays off of you and spin seal him get the ball the real question they don't have anybody that can guard luca this is what i want to see i want to see them put nilikina on luca they won't that is the because then like you know trey burke is not obviously the world's best defender and i think he's he's a couple inches shorter than dennis so that's a mismatch mm-hmm. but i think if, if you're the knicks you're willing to do that uh, in order to kind of hopefully take Luca out of the game a little bit. Mm-hmm. Nilikina, long arms. He's not the quickest guy, but neither is Luca. Yeah. Uh, that lets Hardaway guard West, so you're not at a size mismatch. Because I know, like, this is the internet, so everybody hates West around here, but West is really good in the post. Yeah. Really good in the post with a mismatch. And if, if it is that Burke is guarding West, West is going to score 25. Yeah. He's going to shoot seven free throws. So And when this – Teardrop is falling. Like, oh, yeah, it's he's really good, man. Really good offensive yeah, player. Yeah, he's really good. Uh, he's shooting career best in twos, or at least Mavs career best in twos. Yeah. Um, so uh, Nilikina on Luca. That's the matchup that I want to see. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't know if they will go to it, but that's what I want to see them do. I feel like these are two very frustrated teams. Um, maybe the Knicks a little bit less so because their expectations were almost nothing with yeah, Porzingis. Porzingis. I mean, Knox going out early kind of really sucked for them because he's a good player. Yeah, that's like Dennis um, getting hurt at the beginning of the last yeah. year. Yeah. in a couple games. Like, yeah. come on. You know? I don't feel like they're – I feel like this is like, a, okay, who has to have this game? Like who – okay, certain things – if you just go through leading into a game, look at wins, loss, totals, look at their schedules, look at who's scoring, um, okay, are people out? Just the overall scope of a game, not – granular in any sense i look at this and i go okay the knicks had no expectations they know porzingis is out they're honestly probably trying to get a top five pick um not that the players are but the management is probably hoping for a top five pick knox goes out so that's a real bummer for them even if okay it's it's to that moment for me where it's like okay if they put the pedal down and they act like an animal that's cornered What's the best output the Knicks could have? Is that as good as their opponents? And I don't believe it is. It and I feel like be. I feel like the Mavs they respond number one, they respond to coaching. Because you saw it after Dennis, after Rick was like, I'm gonna sit him down and show him what happens when he plays downhill. Those next two games are the two probably two of his best three to five games as a Dallas Mavs. I take it they were both, in my opinion, probably your two best. Yeah. So especially Utah. They had a close practice today. They did shoot around. No one was invited um, at the AAC, which is a change. We didn't get. We didn't get that. Didn't that get the former. Invitation. Yeah, formal invite That's didn't crazy. get it. Get to us. Um, I refuse to believe that they actually shot around because <laughs> we weren't invited. And they shot around the AAC, which is something they haven't done, which is confusing to me. Not confusing, but peculiar. Um, so if you have these two teams on paper, one of them, both of them 
okay, you think both of them have to have a win. The Mavs actually have to have a win. Yep. Home, Friday night, uh, blue carpet night, Dia de los Muertos celebration. Uh, the Knicks have the nothing to coming, lose. The shirts are coming out for today. <laughs> yes. It's over. Absolutely. So I feel like if if both teams were in like absolute spaz out mode, like got to get this game, like it was a playoff game, the Mavs would still win by five. So This is the kind of game, and uh, you know, the regular season is really long, but this is the kind of game where if you're a, a playoff team, and you're coming back off a road trip where you had two frustrating losses that you should that you feel like you should have had, and that arguably you should have had at mm-hmm. least one of them, if not both. This is the game where you you vent win, some frustration. You win by 25. Yeah, I think you're, you. It's where you're up 10 after one, and it's never in doubt. You take care of business after the game. You put on your nice clothes, say nice things on the. They don't play again until Tuesday. Yeah, but that's part of it where it's like, dude, this has been a hellacious. Travel schedule, uh, time zones, they just had a back-to-back. They've mm-hmm. had all sorts of crazy stuff going on. you got a long weekend coming up where you can just enjoy some time off, spend some time with your family, take care of your laundry, things like that. You get a few days to relax. It, but first, got to take care of business. Yeah. And the Knicks, all due respect to them, but their average differential this year, their average differential is minus four. They've had a lot of losses by double digits, many of them on the road. This is the kind of game where you need to not have an eight to two start. Yeah, you need to take the eight to two start to them. If you if you if you win tonight, you probably don't practice tomorrow. You probably got a lighter shoot around Sunday. Uh, it's probably a little bit of a reprieve after the week you've been through. It's like this is the kind of game that you just beat the hell out of a bad team. You, you need to. I mean, you at least need to play with that disposition. Because, I mean, yep. every team gets hot. So the Knicks could come in here and have a really good game. But if the Mavericks play the right way, they are on their best day better than the Knicks on their best day. Yeah. So even if the Knicks give you their best shot, you still need to find a way to get the win. But if you, if you approach the game as if you're down 10, mm-hmm. like maybe they should just put 10 points on the scoreboard. Yeah. If you just approach the game like you're down 10 – or I think the expectation should be to be up by ten at the end of the first. Yeah. And if you fall anything, yeah. If you, I mean, you got to change. Something's not working. Yep. About the first five ten minutes of the game. Yep. And I don't know if it's just I, perception. I really think it's just kind of a, it's kind of an attitude, energy level. Mm-hmm. I think is what it is. Yeah. It's a. I don't know if you need to go in there and someone John Henderson everybody's and just open hand slap them yeah, right before they walk. Yeah. As the players are coming yeah. out of the starting lineup, it's yeah. High five. And yeah. Just smack them. <laughs> Right beside his face, like the great Jaguars <laughs> defensive tackle. Yeah, John Henderson used to do. He used to have someone just slap the ever-living crap out of him. Yes. And, I mean, he was like 350, 6'6", yeah. and he would just – someone would just open hand, just pop, pop. <laughs> kind of like both a would, Yes, both ways. Like, that, uh, might be, that might be what gets him going. Like that. Maybe, dude. I mean, it's just and, – and, too, you know, it's it's – if you're coming to the game, I, I don't even know when this is going to come out, so people might not even hear this until after the game, but if you have tickets to the Mavs game, get there early. Like, come early, have a soda or a beer or whatever it is, get some juices flowing, and bring it because, like, cr- just crowd noise actually does matter. Mm-hmm. And the AAC is packed always by the end of the first quarter, but the first, like, couple minutes of a game, sometimes yeah. it's – there's traffic around the arena. People are trying to find a place to park. Everything I understand. Mm-hmm. People got jobs. It's Friday night. Yeah, it's tough. But dude, if if that building, when that building is rocking, it is loud. I mean, dude, DeAndre said that like in the preseason. Mm-hmm. He's like, this place has always been so loud. It's great. Yeah. And, he, and he wouldn't just like make that up. 
but uh, and I've, as someone who's been to the Staples Center for Clippers games, not always very loud in there. Yeah, but it it gets loud in the AAC. If you bring the energy, the team will too. Like it's just like a it's everybody. Seven thirty tip, man. Like you'd be ready if if uh, Dirk's gonna be ready at seven thirty, mm-hmm. or I guess Luca or whoever. Yeah. Dirk can be ready at seven thirty. Yeah, he can do whatever. Some of them play Nintendo DS for all that matters <laughs> right now. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, players ready, fans are ready. I mean, I Mike, think that you and I are gonna be ready. Like it's just like a, it's just a thing, man. Maybe you give like the first three possessions to Luca, let him do whatever he wants, because the crowd, every time he touches the ball, it's like a buzz. Yeah, I think what the you crowd's. Need to do, <gasps> what you need to do is pull. I mean, and this is a, this is just general like. You need to pull Canner away from the basket, put him in space, mm-hmm. and make him play catch up with Dennis. Yeah. And you need to get Luca against a favorable matchup. None of these guys that they have are taller than him. Mm-hmm. He can post every single one of them up. Uh, identify like you just need to pick on guys. Yeah. And you need to impose your will on them early. And if you can impose your will on a team in the first five minutes, then you got him beat. Yeah. And but the crazy thing is, last season. Uh, I don't know how many other teams have podcasts, mm-hmm. but if you listen to the, the the Knicks podcast last season mm-hmm. when the Mavs were coming into town and they were 15 games under 500, they're probably saying, "If you just beat them early, we're gonna this yeah. is the game you got to win by 25." And then you look up and and you know the Mavs are now two with three minutes left. Mm-hmm. So like, the Mavs were that team. I don't know if the Knicks will be that team this year, but like just because a team is bad doesn't mean you're like you got to beat them. But this is the game where you got to beat them. Yeah, no circumstance. Off the road trip, three days off in between here and the next game. Leave it all out there. Yeah. Leave tired it. tired of hearing about problems. Leave it all out there, man. There's no there's no way around it. Um, well, cool. Let's uh, let's go home. Let's get a nap in. Was that was long. We, we've gone an hour and a half and not even said the name Harrison Barnes, which is hilarious to me. Dude, that was his best game since coming back. Easily. He was good. He was good against the Lakers. Easily. He there was really good. Play. There was one play – uh, we don't need to have a 10-minute conversation about this, but there was one play where he brought the ball up the floor and uh, just was like, you know what? I'm <laughs> going to go to the basket. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I don't know if it's Lance Stevenson or somebody, but whoever was guarding him, Barnes just like took it right to him, laid it in and got fouled. Oh, the end one? And the, I was like, you know yeah. what? That was like a, that was an example of imposing your will. That was Saying, vintage like, Barnes, yeah. You were not going to stop me. And he yeah. hasn't made that play many times mm-hmm. since coming here. Probably – maybe half a dozen, mm-hmm. but that he did that that night, and he yeah. had a couple other strong takes too, but, I mean, like, that's just an example of I'm going to get here, I'm baby LeBron. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get there, and you're going to stop me or not. Yeah. Like, you're, you're, you're going to foul me. If this you're, is, you're like, the play. end of the Rocky montage for Harrison Barnes, wherever he's, like, rehabbing and coming back, and then, you know, second to last scene of the montage, it's like, oh, I beat the guy I've been trying to – I broke through a wall. Like, I, yeah. I put it on the floor. I knocked down a huge three. That three to bring yeah. him one. Yeah, that's a couple big shots. I think him. he's he, back. He was, like, he was working so hard to get shots off his first few games, and mm-hmm. he was just coming up short. I mean, his, yeah. his shot was way off. He, like, airballed a couple yeah. shots, I think. Like, he was just way off. And to see a few go down, a few big ones go down, have a couple mm-hmm. nice drives, like, I think he's, like, he's almost to uh, I'm back mode. Yeah. And that w- it would be big for that tonight because now is the night where, like, Everybody needs to eat. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Barnes gets 20. Luka gets 20. Dennis gets 20. The rest sorts Deandre itself out. Deandre has five dunks. Yeah. JJ gets 10 assists. I mean, it's like this is one of the games where, like, you need to – you need to – the whole team needs to play like Barnes did against L.A. Yeah. Just stop me. Awesome. Well, can't wait. We'll be at the game, obviously. Follow us on uh, – I'm going home. Mavs.com. Well, yeah, we're going to go to the game eventually. Uh, follow us on Twitter. And uh, we never give our Twitters out, by the way. At Machine Sports, and he is at – 
Bobby Corella. Corella. Is that your handle? You've Very creative. For ten years. Or Very something? creative. I don't ever think about. It. I just. Years? You know what I do? I just hit at and hit B and look oh, down the, the list. One? Yeah, and I just find people down I the was, list. I was at a restaurant in L.A. I was ordering to go food, and the guy mm -hmm. was like, "What's your name?" I said, "Bobby." And he said, "Bobby." Someone I, in high school I knew was named Bobby. I was like, cool, cool story, bro. You know, not the most common name. So if you type B, I'm probably in the first person that pops yeah. up. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Um, all right. We'll see you tonight. Check out Mavs Knicks here at 730. If you're not in the building, watch it on Fox Sports Southwest. Bye.